0: cast on this monday evening with me tonight we have my co-host peter a allison good evening everyone and our special guest this eve live from germania oz mills
1: yes. <laughs> hi there thank you so much for having me it's really a pleasure to be here
0: no is all ours um so oz who are you what do you to do what's what's your thing
1: so, uh, my name is Oz. Uh, that's my real name. Uh, I have been working in the role playing game industry for about 10 years now as a, as a writer for various different, uh, mostly franchise work. So things like uh, Dragon Age, Star Trek, that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I believe the main reason you've brought me on is, uh, got a bit great here, uh, Tales from the Loop. They grow up so fast, a new adventure. Uh, well, uh, uh, a new, a new mystery, sorry, the generic role-playing game terms. Um, the new mystery for for Tales from the Loop, and uh, yeah, uh, I, as you said, I live in Germany. I used to live in England, then I lived in Scotland, and now I live here. So uh, I guess we've got to We've got to get
0: to the crux of it. Why, why the 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 move to Germany?
1: Uh, I fell in love with a German woman oh, while as a LARP it. in the UK. <laughs> yeah, that'll uh, do it.
0: <laughs> That that works.
1: Yeah, that
2: works. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. And um, uh, You also, you, so you, what, what, did Scotland is where you kind of moved from England to Scotland? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, I am half English, half Scottish. Most of my family is actually in Scotland. I lived uh, for uh, about 20 years of my life in England mm-hmm. and then a job came up in Scotland right next to, at that point, my mother was uh, living up there. And I, so I had an easy um, you know, an easy stepping stone to to living there. So I li- I uh, worked there for about um, uh, twelve years in the originally the video game industry, uh, where I started as QA, became a designer, um, and then while working for the same game that I originally worked for with Real Time Worlds creators Crackdown back in the day, oh, um, I then I, I I was working on a piece of technology which was like a global. Uh, mapping software. They had um, sort of ordnance survey survey data for the entire UK and several other places, and they wanted to make a game world that used the real world. Wow! Um, and then an insurance company said that's a really good piece of technology and bought it out. And so I started working in for an insurance company from the gaming industry <laughs> without moving job, uh, which. <laughs> Uh, wasn't great, so I like I moved from there into from a designer to UX designer, and then eventually in around 2019 I had the opportunity to try uh, writing full time, and that is now where I am. My bread and butter is is a lot more boring writing, like article writing for uh, online publications and things like that. But every now and again a good opportunity comes up, and uh, as I said, since about 2014 I've been. Uh, grabbing hold of opportunities for writing for role-playing games when they've come up. So uh, well, what's the big
0: sort of, obviously there, there's a big sort of difference, I guess they're both nerdy uh, nerdy sort of jobs but you know having the tech side of things and then moving to a journalistic or creative writing side of things, What's what, was that something you'd always wanted to do uh, and it just sort of the opportunity came about
1: or is it something that you sort of kind of gradually moved into? <laughs> It's very much something I sort of gradually both moved, moved into as well as uh, realized was something that I wanted to do in my life. Um, I started out in QA because I was very young and thought, oh, yeah, playing video games or whatever is going to be great. Um, uh, and of course, over over the time, you you gain more of a mature understanding of the industry and all that kind of thing. And I, uh, I always wanted to get involved as a uh, designer for that kind of thing. And when when that came up when the uh the when certain changes occurred in the uh, in the company i was at i jumped at the opportunity to have more of a hand in the creation of things so i was um i was level designer for a while i was ui designer for a while and uh, that's what got me into user experience ux kind of the idea of helping people understand what um what they need to do when they first access a piece of technology and how to use it and that kind of thing, um, and that really appealed to me. So I continued to do that for a good, good long while. When I entered the weird insurance business that I didn't like, um, they uh, hey, I, I work in insurance. <laughs> so uh, just, just for just for some context of how they were going to use it, they wanted to create a an onboard system for you well there was there's already a piece of technology you can plug into your car that tells you where you are via gps as well as how hard you're turning uh, how fast you're going how hard you're braking, all this kind of thing and what i wanted to do was visualize for people who had their insurance here is what you're doing when you drive so here is where you uh, braked too hard all this kind of thing and you could easily do that with like a google map but no, they wanted a full 3D experience with like in- touching the the road and moving it all around and it being really, really immersive for some reason in an insurance app. Um, and so I was charged with creating a three-dimensional interface for an insurance policy, which nobody needs. Um, but uh, from there, I moved into sort of mobile, uh, uh, I moved into another company who was making healthcare applications and mobile and stuff like that, but it, it wasn't as exciting as the video game industry. It wasn't as interesting as the video game industry because, you know, I have a passion for, for games, and much like many people who enter the industry, like big nerd. So when an opportunity to do writing came up, some of which I had kind of practiced through um, doing things on the side while working for these companies, and then later on uh, kind of really dove into. Uh, I I left the I left the company in 2019 and started uh, trying to do it full time. And of course, you know, 2019 was a great time for job opportunities, wasn't it? There was definitely nothing problematic happening in 2019. 2020. <laughs> and then so 2020 th- came along. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing. Went, yeah, so basically, uh, many companies at that point basically stopped reaching out because, like the 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 poop hit the spinner um and the uh things dried up so i uh i then started working for uh kind of more mundane writing companies and i've been doing that ever since as like the bread and butter but continuing to do role-playing on role-playing games on the side because it means i earn the money and i do the fun thing when it comes up which is great um but, yeah it's
2: it sounds a lot like my career to, to be fair, I mean, I started out oh. in actually using topographical software in my day job. I was working in civil engineering and I was yeah. kind of responsible for, like, you know, aligning the construction with the existing topography
1: and working out how much so yeah i mean what you're working on was actually oh, I, I could have used yeah. that so and, you, can, you can kind of understand how someone who looked at the uk's data for that kind of thing would be like this is a tre- treasure trove of oh, yeah. data that we could use for something Absolutely. but unfortunately it it didn't go in that direction they for whatever reason people didn't pick up on it um yeah
2: yeah and then kind of like you know, during that time we kind of sidelined into yeah. journalism which i'm pretty much do full oh, i'll do full time now And so, yeah, it's. Yeah, and then you kind of done that one step, which I've not yet done, but I really love to, which is kind of writing for role playing. I mean, how did that initial leap occur?
1: So, um, in 20. I can't remember when when the call went out, but it was around 2013, 2014. um, uh, Who was it? Green Ronin put out a call for people to write for, I think it was Dragon Age at the time. I'm not sure if they actually said what it was for but there was in the role-playing game industry there was this like oh we think they're doing some more dragon age stuff so uh they basically said can you send in a um uh, can you send in a pitch for something and we want you to send in a concept of a creature that will be in this world and we want uh, lore on it and we want uh, details about uh, mechanics how it works and here is our here is how you have to write things if you send them to us. So based on that, I sent them a one page document, which had a creature based on, I think Dragon Age Inquisition hadn't come out. I'd seen the trailer and based on some inferences I'd made, I was like, Oh, here's, here's an interesting concept for what might be in Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, So it was, uh, I think it was a creature that dealt with like time magic. And stuff like that Um, and I wrote a concept for what they were um, partly based on what was in the trailer and also just making it very clear that I was kind of making stuff up on the side but also saying based on what I understand here are mechanics of how their abilities would work Um, and they then took me on as uh, writing for what was it Faces of Thadus, which was a Uh, A full set of all the known characters in the Dragon Age franchise, stats for them, lore about them, and also factions in the Dragon Age franchise. So like um, different uh, different countries, organizations such as spies and rebels and um, uh, the churches or the the churches, quote unquote, in that setting and uh, how they all interact with each other as different political organizations and how you can uh, use them in a game importantly how they can affect role playing how they can empower or disempower players and that uh, that was the first work i did that wasn't the first work that was published i did some work soon after that for star trek which as a massive nerd has been the like pinnacle of my my like happiness of working in this industry is working on something star trek um that came out before um, faces of Thadis, but basically having worked for Green Ronin, started the ball rolling and saying to other people, I've done work in this industry. Can I do some work for you? Which has been wonderful. The entire industry has been so friendly, so wonderful, so supportive, um, especially, um, Green Ronin, Leon has been, um, uh, Green Ronin and Free league have been two of the absolute pinnacles of professionalism and kindness in the industry. And I'm so glad to have worked with them. Um, And, uh, yeah, they really helped with some early uh, understanding what you need to do in the industry um, just to sort of get going and and how to write for things, Um, especially as someone who had at that point um, good writing experience but limited role-playing writing writing experience. They helped um, with examples. They helped with uh, showing here is how things are different, and that really helped me focus on, uh, how to create stuff in that world?
2: Yeah, because writing for a role-playing game is very different to writing for uh, an online article mm. and magazine and newspaper. It's a different texture, mm. for want a better term. And yeah, I mean, it's an you know, it's a skill that you have to learn. You can't. Just, and I mean, you have a certain foundation if you've got an experience in writing, mm. but not necessarily the ability. I think he's the best yeah. way I can phrase it. And as you see, I mean, 3D uh, have been absolutely wonderful. I mean, we met them a few times. We chatted to them on the podcast. We had the artist from Morkborg who worked with them as well. And, yeah, they've been a fantastic people to, um, yeah, to, to work with and collaborate with. And, yeah, yeah they, send, they, send, they
0: send me a lot of books. As you can see from the <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the, the the library behind him with the shelves that are about to Buckle under the amount of that RPG
2: books. Another shelf down there,
0: which is
1: <laughs> oh. so. How man. many? How many of them were sent to you, and how many have you actually bought with your own own hard-gotten uh, games? Pete gets a lot of freebies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't have the. I'm, I don't I'm have the mental thing. fortitude. I don't think to go through all these RPGs. But oh, he's very. I he's down. very good. I sit
2: down and read them all. Yeah. Um, I mean, my, my family barely see me at lunchtime because I've usually kind of got. Um, the file up on the tablet i'm kind of reading through the book as i'm having dinner or tea
1: in no way can i judge you because every time i do some work for a company when i'm working on a supplement or something rather than the core rule book i will send them a message and go hey um you know i i i'm I'm perfectly happy to work on this this is great how could you send me like the core rule book as well i like I, it, and, and usually yeah they've, they've got like copies that are available for for either journalists or something like that um and uh, so a lot of that, my shelf behind me, behind this situation here has uh, been filled out with, uh, as said before, ill-gotten games.
2: Uh. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got quite bad now, but I mean, I, I love the books. I mean, there are works of art, I mean, to be fair. I mean, you, ne- you don't get bored looking at them. It's got to the point now where I very rarely read for leisure now. I mean, the last time I actually read a book, not yes. as in a fiction novel, was August.
0: <laughs> I, do yeah, of, went, I do a lot I of audiobooks yeah. like I do a lot of now. Like I I've it's been a while since I've physically read something because I've got wow. an, an Audible uh, an Audible account and everything's on Audible now. So and I find that I can just listen to it when I'm driving or I, I'm going stuff. Like I used to think it was cheating because I I do enjoy yeah. reading. Like I've always enjoyed reading. Um, but. Because I feel like I get more of the books I want to listen to done. Like I've gone through mm-hmm. loads. Um, the newest um, Red Rising, a one um, which was out recently, um, Lightbringer, which I, I just finished. Um, I'm on the new Sharp novel, which just came out recently, so I'm listening to that
1: at the minute and stuff. And it. Just I didn't to- realize they was there were still making Sharp novels.
0: Yeah, they've got well, well Sharp's Command came out last. So when wait, wait, Sharp's Assassin was last year, and then Sharp's Command, which has just come out, uh, and it's sort of like they're in between. They're sort of like Sharp's Sharp's Assassins after Waterloo. Sharp's Command mm-hmm. is when he's still in Spain. Um and yeah they're 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 good, and like i've read like i've read them physically and stuff, but it's like yeah. I, um the idea of having stuff where I can literally listen to it when i'm doing spreadsheets or when I'm in the car and things i I kind of get- feel like I'm getting more of my reading inverted commas uh done is it please tell me it's,
2: it's narrated by sean bean it
0: has no to be. it's not oh. it, the annoying thing about it is like you've got these ingrained um sort of like you know you pass yeah. and 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 sort of like the accent. the, the the accents melody. and stuff and like um the the guy obviously uh Darryl O'Malley, o'malley plays uh god save ireland um, Patrick Harper, um he just doesn't do. Him, I don't think he does him justice. Oh, it's a very that sort of like question I was going to ask. Yeah, it's a very generic biggity biggity bong. So it is uh, oh, Irish man. sort of accent, and I'm just like, oh, come on, man! You can't you can't do that. The harper, he's so good. That you know, it's not bad. Don't get me right. it's not bad. You sort of get past that after the initial. This isn't Sean Bean,
1: and this isn't yeah. sort of Dara But yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's good. Um, I I've read a few books recently where. Um, I I haven't gotten gotten into the audiobook kind of craze, and partly because some of the books I've read recently, as I was going to get into, um, they've used visual things on the page to add a bit to drama in a scene. There was a book I was reading recently where someone had an ability to jump between shadows um, and sort sort of teleport between them. And when they did that, they talked about them stepping from one place over here and then moved the text down to a section further down right. on the page yeah. and it, it described it doing that and the text, because the text actually did that, it felt more impactful and you, I, I just know I wouldn't get that from the audiobook unless they, obviously they could do something yeah, audio-wise, but you wouldn't get the same impact.
0: It's very, um, and we've talked about this um, with a couple, I think uh, Gareth Powell and stuff, he was talking about his his books and um, they, they, we were, the audiobooks and we were talking about you know how... Um, a, a narrator can make or break a book. Um, mm-hmm. and there's been um, like Gareth Powell's books. Um, he, you know, uh, they sound amazing. Like, and mm-hmm. um, I've got them on my sort of to read list. But I listened to the audiobooks and they were just like it was just very droney. Uh, sort of american accent and i thought it was meant to be like that because it was a futuristic sci-fi thing and i thought i'll get past it but i couldn't it was just like it was really doing my head and it was really I, I just couldn't enjoy it and i felt like it was tarnishing what would have been a really good book by the bad narration so i just like i left yeah. it um that's the same with uh vasquez unfortunately as well which i know pete really enjoyed the book oh, and I stuff That's fantastic. Yeah. The, you the, have to read it yeah i i I listened to three quarters of it and I pared through it, but it's not like the the audio behind it. She's obviously of sort of uh, Mexican descent, so you should get the whole sort of kind of Vasquez thing going on. But it's very monotone like they can only she can only do the the actress who's doing it or sorry actress very on pc of me the actor who's doing it can only seem to do one type of voice for everybody and Mm -hmm. it sort of it works for when she's playing the character she's meant to be but when she's doing like um i don't know when she's doing drake from like you know she's doing drake and things like that it just doesn't Sound like it should, and it's a bit. It sort of it 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 knocks you out of the 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 whole yeah. thing because you're just like it doesn't. And it's like it's it's not it's not bad acting. It's just because mm-hmm. there's not enough to sort of hook you in. That being said, you've got things like I said, the Red Rising books. There's like six of them at the minute, and there's gonna be like two more. The Horus Heresy ones um, from Warhammer 40k are really <laughs> like they always have. Um, what's his name? Uh, it's my favorite audio guys now um ah oh, fuck what's his name um <laughs> it's gonna really annoy me because it's like i refuse to listen to any audiobooks from, unless it's like him now um ah oh, fuck what's his name God, i'm gonna have to google it but um,
2: um i was listening to the walk among us audiobooks from vampire the masquerade and they're really good and they've got like a different narrator in for each story and they actually nailed it had the texture and accent of each character absolutely spot on mm. and it was just an absolute joy i mean i tend to listen to podcasts rather than audio, but, but i made an exception for this one i'm glad i did
1: so i i there's only so much that i can criticize people who can only do one voice because while I do try to do uh, really good voices when I'm GMing uh, a game. I do tend to find that most of my male warrior characters or thugs or anything like that—they're just all a bit. Oh, yeah. It's my, very, yeah, very British.
0: Yeah. yeah, everybody's very Cockney and uh, or yeah. nor- or Northern or Scottish. And there's like you know. <laughs> that being said, I threw in in my la- in our D and D campaign because I knew my my accents are fucking atrocious. They're really <laughs> bad, and um, and and it literally does. It's always. You know, the the guards are always, all right, mate, I'm a guard. Yeah. And then sort of like the gorf's always Scottish. And, uh, you know, those very generic tropes you get for D&D characters mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, so I was like, right, we need something different. And so we had like a a, a, a rogue or a, a thief. So we called him Jonto, because Jonto back home is a very sort of Northern Irish sort of name. So I was like, right. he was called Jonto, So I just put a Northern Irish accent on him and went, there we go. We've got a different accent now and something. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's just your accent. I know it's a, it's more exaggerated, a more exaggerated accent. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Yeah, the the whole sort of thing with like audio books, they really, really do. I'm still trying to find this bloody guy's name. Um, but it's really sort of, um, it it makes the difference. And you can, you can get some really good ones that are just so like they really just drag Mm -hmm. you in. Um, especially some of the dramatized ones. And Mm -hmm. you know, I would definitely sort of. You know some of the ones said, like, so if you're in I don't know if you're into your 40k type stuff but if you are the Horace Heresy books especially the Siege of Terror ones which have just mm-hmm. come out are fucking awesome they're so good really well narrated he does uh, different accents for every different things he does different sort of regional dialects and stuff to so yeah. the point where you have like he does like you've got like an, a Northern Irish sort of princep for like a Titan Legion and stuff it's like ah oh, Northern Irish people in the 30, in the 31st millennium that's brilliant and stuff so it's, it's Titans Yes, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Okay. And I mean, what I want to ask as well
2: is, how did you? You tend to do a lot of kind of franchise-related role play write, writing for your role play games. Yeah. Is that like, of for was that something you just did intentionally, or was that just the way it happened?
1: So it's very strange. There are there are two sort of focuses I found that my work has gone into um, during during my career in the role playing game industry, and it's both franchise related stuff. Um, and I don't I don't know why that is. It um, it might be that after I started uh, with Dragon Age and Star Trek, like that ball started rolling, and people were like, "Oh, he's worked on stuff, and he respects lore because he's worked on these stuff things before." Um, I've also done a lot of things on. Uh, non-human groups so um, alien civilizations and um, and beasts from fantasy or lovecraft or um, or aliens and things like that and it's it's never sort of more core things it's never the good guys it's always the the weird stuff Um, and that's been really fun in some ways because uh, a lot of the times in these franchises not so much Star Trek because it's they have. Uh, the, there is enough information out there that you can grab everything. But when working on Homeworld, for example, uh, I don't know if you've played the old strategy. Oh, oh man, I used yeah. to love yes, that game. So there's a, a
0: new world. board. Modiphius did a, a board game of it, and there's. Oh, and yeah. It, yeah, I think there's uh, Homeworld. There's the new game coming out. The new computer yeah, game coming has, out. There's yeah.
2: a. There's a mobile game. There's a recent land-based, planet-based Homeworld game. Oh, yeah, Santa, yeah. Santa Caracas or something like
1: that. It, it's very, very good. I very much enjoyed it. It adds to the lore in a fun way. And I realized how good it was and how much it matched Homeworld's mood as soon as the first mission started. And, you know, in, in most strategy games, you like, you've like got your tanks or whatever, you click on the thing, then it'll move up and start firing. In Homeworld uh, Deserts of Carac, that's it, um, yeah yeah i i selected all my little scout buggies or whatever clicked on the enemy whatever it was a big thing clicked on it to attack them and they started moving towards it and then instead of stopping and firing they kept going and kept moving around things and I was instantly reminded of when you attack things with scouts in like homeworld and they will start moving around the ship yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, constantly yeah. going. And you got that same audio of like constant chatter and stuff, like you would expect in like Battlestar Galactica or something like that, of like okay, we're going for them Oh no, they're too powerful and Things like that. It, um, it it's, an, it's an RPG, not an RPG. Uh, TT. No, what's it called? RTS. 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 Really RTS. RTS. It is an RTS. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It works very well. I recommend it. The, the The story's good. it It doesn't have the same feel as an RTS as Homeworld, obviously, because it's land based and because it's a little faster. But a lot of the things just keep touching the same moods as Homeworld, and it it certainly feels like an addition to that franchise. Mm. the um, The Homeworld uh, role playing game their free start guide, uh, free ki- uh, quick start, uh, actually sets itself in that world. Ah, uh, okay. When that came out, they hadn't released the actual game itself. And so the quick start is uh, just a little bit of lore of you finding the first um, sort of buried ship from millennia ago or whatever it is, and uh, you and another group finding it and you having to sort of protect it from this other group, if I recall. Um, and so working on on that was was really fun to me because you know I played Homeworld back when I was ten to fifteen. I don't know how old I was. Yeah, young. it's gonna be. Uh, uh, I was quite pretty young.
0: What 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 yeah. year were you born in? Eighty five. Yeah, so I'm eighty one. So I remember my dad playing Homeworld when it first came yeah. like the first one and stuff.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, so getting back to the point we were originally at, um, there is very little information about a lot of the groups in that, um, a lot of the law behind that there, there is some, uh, and it makes it clear what that is, but, um, most of the people in that universe, uh, sorry, most of the factions in that universe are paper thin in terms of how they're described. And so when I was asked to write on them, there was information, um, available on, on, you know, in all of the video and things, but there's no extended novels. There's no more detail than that. So I had to extrapolate, and I made up a lot of stuff that now appears in the Home World, uh, the Home World role playing game. Oh wow! Um, uh, and when Home World three comes out, uh, I fully expect all of that to be uh made non canon. Basically, <laughs> I because oh. like, because you know I made up all the stuff, and Home World three was already in development at that point. Ah, uh, yeah. And Modifius would have sent that off and then got it confirmed that it was all okay. But uh, I fully expect that Gearbox uh, considers it beta canon, basically. Like you would with, um, you know, when when a Star Trek novel comes out. That is almost sort of canon until a TV show or movie contradicts it. And then that's canon. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so... um, if people want to use it, that's great. It's the only extrapolation aside from fan wikis. Um, And there were plenty of fan wikis, but due to the nature of them, um, when you're writing things for companies, you are encouraged to never look at their stuff because if you take their stuff and use it, then copyright. Uh, Of course it's, it's, it's not so much copyright. It's, there are ideas that you can take. And yeah, Um, but it, well i think it is copyright it's just not licensed copyright it's yeah. like plot copyright um so unfortunately i had this conversation with i think it was um one of the one of the like dragon age lead writers he said to me don't look at any of that stuff just because one it'll uh, affect how you write and two um like you always compare yourself to that idea mm. and you it's harder to make original ideas and also you um uh yeah you you could get in legal trouble so yeah. i'm i i really hope that some of the fans of homeworld's old stuff um took anything i wrote and and enjoyed it um but we'll we'll see what happens with everything i wrote when homeworld 3 comes out i'm as i said i'm fully expecting all that stuff to be like, well, that's no longer a thing. Like, you can use it in the role playing game, but we're now going to write a supplement where it, this yeah. is what it actually is. I'll
0: not yeah. be too sad.
2: I'll uh. <laughs> yeah, have to say, though, I mean, since you obviously can't look at like, anything online, so you have to like do the research yourself. So that means yeah. fire up uh, Homeworld again, like, right, I'm going to play this for five days and claim it as research
1: yes yeah or yeah that's that's uh, claiming things as research is the ultimate accountant uh, cheat code uh, <laughs> research now. Um, and uh what is it the so I played like i I played through homeworld back when I was younger, um but when I actually came to writing this now, um what I often find. Is that um, you know? I'll go and I'll go and watch someone else play on YouTube or something like that, yeah. and I'll look up the wikis because fans are obsessive and they make more detail than is necessary yeah, yeah. about everything. Yeah. Um,
2: but then they are, they are often extrapolate
1: from the. They do, however. Um, they the good thing about Wikipedia these days and wikis in general is they have yeah. sources, which is yeah, it.
2: there are sources, you can, so you can look by the site, of the, site yeah. of the sources. Yeah,
1: and with Homeworld specifically, it was a case of that they they actually have a uh, a good amount of information in uh, there are there are several books that came out that are um, that are part of like limited edition vers versions and they have like history of the galaxy all these kinds of things um, and that's really useful but there's a lot of information there and wikis summarize that right. and then they'll say you can go and look up this here and you're like okay oh that's really useful now I'll look up the details for when I need it um, I actually found that that in general has been a thing that I found in both the video game and role playing gaming industry. Back when I worked for, uh, Jagex back in the day, uh, like I was customer service for like the RuneScape game. Wow, um, yeah. um, uh, I, this was ve- like this was, I was about 20. Um, and I'm now, uh, 38, uh, I think. Um, and, <laughs> uh, uh, basically whenever we were un- us- answering questions about things that, uh, that players were asking uh, that were to do with like items in game, we'd just look it up on the fan wiki because they had more detail than us. We could go and look up the information in the actual uh, files in theory, but one, that wasn't really available to us as customer service, and two, if we looked it up, it would all be sort of uh, data about the um, it it would all be like in in code form, so it would be like instead of the name of something being like Mithril Armor, it would be like Armor underscore Mithril underscore whatever. Um, and that one's an obvious one, but there are plenty that aren't.
0: Yeah, um, we've got a, we're gonna I am gonna bastardize this name, by the way. So you you have my apologies from the start. Uh, as, it's, is it Michael or Mikal Rada? Mikhail, I think. Yeah, You'll you we you
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah well um yeah apologies i've killed your name uh he says you don't look 38 more like 28 i'll feel. take it yeah, yeah. i'll,
1: I'll accept it. that um i am i am beautiful i accept that i have to carry that this card cross to bear but i'll take it's it it's the burden
2: <laughs> that you will suddenly bear
1: yeah, It's this uh, this this beautiful beard it does it with the streaks of grey appearing.
0: Yeah, I get that sort of like uh, whenever I shave my beard off people say I'm like you look a lot younger uh, than, like, it's sort of a bit of a weird thing so I don't sort of do it very There's often.
2: There's oh. a of reason <laughs> <wasn't laughs> so why I dye my hair
0: I've never had the sort of like people sort of kind of have this thing like, like I take the whole the grey streaks as a bit of a sort of like you know silver fox sort of idea as I am I'm turning into a silver fox now That's it, you know getting a bit older. So, uh,
1: so- Two things. One, I've been uh, not forbidden, obviously, but between myself and my wife, I'm not allowed to shave my beard. Um, (laughs) um, And two, I'm okay with that because aside from it just being kind of annoying, um, aside from the beard just being uh, a bit annoying sometimes because it gets scraggly and you have to keep shaving it, it hides the, the... the jowls that are slowly appearing, the, 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 the dumpiness
0: that comes with it. <laughs> I'm very jealous. I could never, my beard literally all, I can get the Cavalier and then a little strip and that's it. Everything else, it doesn't seem to grow any thicker around here it, it, so it's working for you you're yeah you're good i can't do the uh i can't I, i've always wanted a pirate beard i was like i'd love to have a pirate beard <laughs> and i get to the point where i leave it for ages but it just all goes all a bit scraggly and then it's like it doesn't like, i'm not gonna grow here and i'm just like you motherfucker so i have to go back to the sort of the cavalier and stuff but um yeah it's a, it's a mighty beard don't never shave it off. Never shave it off.
2: <laughs> I was chatting with Garth Forb a, a while back, and he was saying that, you know, um, what he's saying about the fans knowing more about the franchise than uh, obviously the company that created it do. Like, um, obviously, he's done a lot of black library fiction. And a few times the fans of come and said, that would not work. You could not use a bolt gun against, oh, uh, yeah. it's like a last pistol against uh, <laughs> so, um, Space Marine and Power Armor. It just like, it, like reels off the stats. And he goes, yes. I know that in the game that mechanically that would not work. But in the case of the story, that is what the narrative required.
1: I, I think it was like I I think it was maybe just a, a Simpsons episode or something like that back in the day when um back comic, when Simpsons. Comic was book I don't think it was that. It it might well have been, but it was basically someone on stage at a at a franchise uh, uh sorry, on the stage at a convention, when someone is like Um, actually on page 38 of this thing, um, how can you do this when you've previously said that? And the person is just like, it's a TV show. (laughs) Yeah. I remember that episode. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nerds. (laughs) I think they do similar in like galaxy quest and a few others, but that's honest. Like that is the writer being honest with every time that he has had those questions.
2: Um, oh, it's true though. it's up- I mean, it's telling that uh, Galaxy Quest was once voted the best Star Trek film.
1: It's a brilliant film. I need to. I need to go back and watch it. I haven't seen it for a good number oh, of years now. Oh, it's just. Wonderful. Did you watch I the? Mean, did you watch the Orville? I've seen some of the Orville. I think I finished season one. I got partway through season two, and I think that's when I moved to Germany and a lot of stuff. Uh, kind of. It's really. Stopped. It's really good. Know. It's like gen. It's like it's next
0: like next generation with a bit more comedy to it. But it's. I love it. Yeah. It's really good. I really
2: yeah, like I, I, I mean, I enjoy it. I mean, why Kelly is not so much? I think Kelly is massively into Star Trek and TNG in particular. And I think because like, there's so many similarities, but when it isn't the same, it's a bit too jarring for her. For me, I, I just love it because I like what they're doing. I like the fact it's they're not the best of the best like, like they are in uh, Next Generation. They are just regular people doing a day job. And the only reason the captains got the ship was because there weren't any captains left. Yeah, uh,
1: so, I, I, I'm just going. Uh, no, you go ahead.
2: No, I was going to ask you like, no, uh, uh, what else have you written? Like, you've done a lot of Star Trek. I mean, that must have been like, obviously, I uh, take it you're a massive Star Trek fan. Uh, uh,
1: so the when I have an icebreaker, when I need an icebreaker at a uh, at like a, a a group meeting or something like that, um, I've had this during an, an interview. They were like, "What's an interesting fact about you?" And of course, my my view of an interesting fact is maybe different to to <laughs> that of someone else. And what I generally say is um, there are about nine hundred pieces of Star Trek media out there, official like Alpha Canon Star Trek media. Um, I've I've got an Excel sheet of trying to watch every single one, and I'm up to the late seven hundreds now. <laughs>
0: um, That's amazing. <laughs> um,
1: and uh, so that what I'm missing out on is is some of the original series and all of the animated series and then when that's done i'm done um wow it it turns out the original series compared to modern storytelling methods is not very good in my opinion like there's a lot of really good uh metaphors that they show in there like a lot of the way people talk about how they uh how how they display like science fiction is very good but just the storytelling methods and the flow and pace of episodes and the misogyny and racism yeah, is not great i i really struggle its with time i,
0: I really struggle here with the original star trek series um like i was a next generation kid so like i yeah. i love you yeah. know that uh, but i really struggled with um with the original series and I, i've tried numerous times to go back and to it and i was like i just can't can't bring myself to do it. I, I get sort of annoyed at it and then stop, stop
1: watching. Yeah. What i found is actually really useful is watching it with someone else who, and you watch it like it's a B movie. You talk through it, even like you, you don't take it completely seriously. You talk through it, you make fun of it and you actively take it as a funny thing. Um, we used to have back in, back when I was in Scotland, me and some friends had a thing called just called beer and bad movies. And every few weeks we would get together just sit down, watch terrible, terrible movies and laugh at it and just enjoy it. Um, And watching that with the same attitude has been absolutely wonderful yeah yeah talking yeah. about terrible
0: movies um, I don't even know why I watched it and it just sort of it, I think it just it came up on Amazon Prime or something but uh, tox, the 1980s Toxic Avenger film it is the Ooh. worst superhero Ooh. film I've ever watched but I sort of kind of vaguely remember it as a teenager or a very young teenager yeah. and I realise why I watched that film as a young teenager because it's just <laughs> boobs and really oh, right, bad, okay. bad bad yeah. bad gags but I was just like this is this is abysmal. This
1: is like per. This is really bad in a comical so I, way. I, I think that I, I think that franchise matches like a, something that I have as a as a personal interest that I find just interesting, which is really adult shows and movies that they then turned into children's cartoons. Yeah, and I, I believe there's a Toxic Avenger children's cut like Saturday morning. Yeah, everybody.
0: yeah, there is because I remember watching. And there's like, things
1: like The Mummy, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Oh, uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes! Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's like a whole bunch of them. There's like a fake alien one uh, that someone mocked up, um, and and things like that.
2: Oh, there's a RoboCop one as well.
1: Yeah, there's a RoboCop one. How does someone like obviously it's to sell toys because yes. RoboCop's a cool toy. But that meeting where they said, yes, we are aware that this is a bloody disgusting movie in which someone gets exploded across the front of a car after being covered in toxic slime, uh, but won't children love it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. It's that there's loads of films like that where they, they they've got sort of... Toy figures for and they're adult films and it's, it's just. I think it like
2: alien toy figures. Yeah, what? there was well. yeah, yeah, there was yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I was trying. To, I, I was mean, thinking uh, one of the other day. Actually, there was one where I was just like, "This is an adult film, but there's kids' toys for it." Fuck, I can't remember what one it was now. Anyway, carry on. I'll, I'll <laughs> think about it. Know,
2: yeah. One film I watched recently, which I really, really like, surprised myself. At home, which was totally killer on Amazon Prime. On Amazon but... Prime, it's. um Basically, Halloween meets um, Back to the Future.
0: Oh, um, I've seen the I've seen the adverts for that. Yeah, watch it. It's re- it's a really smart, well written film. Is it a horror it's film like, or is it like a tongue in a- cheek horror film?
2: it's a horror film straight up horror but with lots of very dry humor right. like you know, a, a, like someone from 2023 goes back in time to 1987 yeah. and also takes their attitudes and their perspectives like there's someone going around with like a you know, FBI federal booty inspector and they're going hey dude what are you thinking that's, yeah. that's really problematic dude
1: <laughs> so so like even even with back to the future when they went from 20 uh, like 19 Eighty-five to nineteen fifty-five, or nineteen eighty-five to twenty fifteen, there was this big jump. But you're talking about like two of those jumps in yeah. uh, in like general culture. Yeah, that's 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 too much. Like yeah. the idea of my, I, I've I've got a I've got a two year old. The idea of when they reach fifteen, talking to them about life before having a mobile phone <laughs> will be absolutely. Uh, th- I, there's I'm a whole getting... podcast called Daughter Issues where a guy <laughs> just introduces his child to things that he had as a, as a kid, and her struggling with using the old T nine texting like the numbers to text the letters. Uh, um, can you imagine got... someone trying to do that these yeah. days?
2: I've got um, three children, um yeah. fifteen, twelve and uh, seven. And before they're given a smartphone, they give it a basic function phone with that tech to text as the as you described. And I mean it's basically like I'm a p by day I'm a, a cybersecurity journalist, so I'm not gonna give my children a smartphone until they're yeah. a bit older because I've seen what happens. It's not nice. Yeah. So I give them basic well, all the needs a basic function phone until they're about
0: 14, 15. I saw a, I saw a TikTok and it was like, there were people, they, they had a different generations within the family and there was like, you know, uh, if, if I was to say, call me, what would you do? And obviously the older people did this, but then the kids were kind of doing this. Yeah. Like that, yeah, or like, like, yeah, that, now. yeah. And it's just like you know uh, all these different things that we sort of like. Well, this, like this, because that's what phones were used to be like. But they're like to... this or like this.
1: Yeah. To hang up the phone, you're like, it, it, it's that. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not that. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. But yeah, but
2: it's. Just, I mean, also like the, well, There's words now that we use that weren't around mm. thirty years ago. I mean, like no, for example, googling. Oh, I'll Google that.
1: Yeah, yeah we got... oh, one one thing I've heard, uh, I'm not 100 percent sure because I have a I have a sample size of one, but uh, someone I know their child did, didn't know what LOL was. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Apparently, yeah. cool is universal. Cool is still going. We can still say yeah. cool, but um, LOL. May, maybe ask your your children, Peter, and and learn yeah. whether or not that's out.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll quiz them tomorrow about it. But I mean, there's lots of kind of la- language. I mean, mum, bless her. I mean. Um, she says, like, I, I'm going to troll the internet. But she, she says oh, that as in oh, trolling. trolling, the as, in, troll. trolling. Yeah. But as in trolling. So she's going to troll. The internet, I'm like,
1: oh, oh,
2: OK. What I think it, you think it means. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's yeah. but again, that's just find language and etymology, absolutely fascinating. The way it kind of, you know, words die out, new words come in, and yeah, cause like like mum and my dad, children speak to us something about that they're done on a game or like they're done on the internet, and it's just going over their heads because they, they don't have that language, they don't have that understanding of how, yeah. of how they're. That side of things operates.
0: Yeah, that's like, uh, We've got Chris Well says try explaining VCRs and cassette tapes to kids now. That's <laughs> mad. It's just like thinking about it. even like DVDs are probably sort of kind yeah. of origin out like. Well,
2: an, Alan Wake two that new video game is not being released as a physical release as I understand. It's just been digital only.
1: Yeah. yeah. Baldur's Gate is not available anywhere except Japan in physical form.
2: Which which game sorry?
1: Baldur's Gate three. Baldur's, oh.
0: Um... Yeah, okay. well, it's just yeah. mad.
1: Like the kids he, these he,
0: days aren't going to have. Oh god! I said it. Hard. I said kids these days. Oh god! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: I think there's a few more grays that just appear.
0: Oh no! Do you know what the funniest thing, man? Like, because I I do a lot of tabletop gaming, and I had this, and I was saying, it was like, it's like, why, why aren't there, you know, uh, like I'm into my historical war gaming as well, and I was just like, uh why, do you know? It's always old people who like, you know, who like uh, war game, like uh, historical war games. I'm going to do something about and show them that young people and I went Matt you're 42 years old and I was like fuck <laughs> <laughs> I can't be the young guy I'm not a young guy anymore
2: no no Matt when you hit the 40 you're no longer young
0: yeah it's my friend because I, I hurt my I fell over and hurt my finger and tripped on my fucking shoelace like an idiot and uh, my friend turned around to me and went dude you do know that you're moving from you tripped over to you had a fall I yeah. had a fall and I was like no no I didn't have a fall I just fell over He's like you had a fall <laughs> I had a fall today it, you can't see it um, at, in
2: the in the swim pools at Waterworld and basically like slipped some steps in the pool it was wet Boom. Now did it trip over. Did I have a fall? Like, you yeah, had a, fault. Yeah. Had a fall. Yeah, that's You're getting I'm that itch
1: mother, so. you're in Home next, did, man. <laughs> did, did you break all the rules? Were you running next to the pool? <laughs> no, I
2: was just holding your hand on my, on my seven-year-old as he walked in, and I was obviously focused on him. And, ouch, bang! And so someone knows over me. Oh, are you okay? yeah I'm fine please just stop embarrassing
0: me. <laughs> it's some it's when somebody tries to help me up oh let me help you up sir I, I'm not that old <laughs> I'm not that old
2: yeah it's about a couple of years to ago I was like I'll, I'll do a lot of biking around on, on my uh, pedal bike and I was going down this hill and I know what happened I was going down too fast I was brake right too late and I hit some gravel and my V wheel spun up behind me and I fell off and this guy in kind of pulls up behind me. Are oh, you okay, mate? you okay? And if you can do say, like, no, I'm fine. Please, let's go. Just go. I'm embarrassed now.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. That's a lot of falling over going here, Pete. I'm worried about you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I do come through as well, so. Anyway, so, um, Tales <laughs> from the Loop. We've, 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 yes. skirted, we've skirted around it. We've, we've yes, barely talked biting. about it. So no no one's me.
1: You, you can maybe understand the product better. Yeah, well, exactly. that's good.
0: so Tales from the Loop, um, for those who don't understand what Tales from the Loop is, can you give us a bit of the background before, and then obviously how you got into uh, writing it? Uh,
1: so uh, just very quick. I didn't write the core product of Tales from the Loop. However, um, the concept behind that is that you play a group of kids in uh, in the 80s, and you are resolving mysteries based on strange stuff that might happen in a your hometown basically um, and you um there are a few things that are different in this world it is the 80s that doesn't exist according to the uh, the, the branding um and so there are there are there's strange technology the loop itself is a uh, sort of large hadron collider like um facility that is plonked in an area of Sweden is the original one. And then there's extra ones that are set in uh, Boulder in uh, in, in Texas, I think. Um, And then uh, more recently uh, there is one set in, uh, in the UK. Um, And the, the idea is that the loop maybe causes some weird stuff to happen or due to this alternate reality, there are other weird things happening and the children are um the children are entirely normal children who are swept up into the this this strange world and the weird things that happen in it and it's uh, mystery solving Uh, situation so there might be uh, like a a robot that uh, or an android that comes to life and maybe you're trying to protect it from people or maybe there's a a weird device that's been found in a field somewhere that's making adults around it act weird uh, but not kids and uh, or or something along those lines or maybe all the birds are talking who knows Um, (laughs) and that's literally one of the first um, mysteries and the idea is that you then as kids have to cycle between trying to resolve this mystery uh, while also dealing with real life. And the game strongly encourages you, scene by scene, to swap between these things. So uh, the opening scene might have you doing an entirely normal thing that is then interrupted or otherwise affected by an introduction to the mystery in some way. So as described before, maybe um, you're, maybe you're all leaving school and you describe how all your kids separately leave school, or maybe you're all friends or however you want to do it and then when the birds start talking, that's like oh, something weird's going on we'll bring all these people together around a shared mystery um, and then um, uh, oh no, I've seen that lots of people are joining the chat who know me that's
0: <laughs> um, uh, so hey Oz, hello everyone <laughs> a little, cha- a little um, side chat going on in the chat <laughs>
1: um and uh it, it's very based on a lot of uh sort of movies and culture that involves the 80s so um in the core book a lot of the archetypes are things like a bookworm and a jock and uh a a weird one uh, like as in, you know an outcast kid uh, and a few other things and uh to together with mi- having weird stuff and normal life together. It sets this really interesting tone of trying to keep your life together while also having it turned upside down by this weird thing happening. Um, And there's certain rules to it, such as um, the adults never believe you. That's really important because you don't want them solving the mystery. And also it's more fun if the adults don't believe you. They either think you're lying. They think you're exaggerating things or, you know, they're not going to believe a kid who says they've seen aliens. Um, And, also uh, in the quartels from the loop, an important role is that the kids can't die yeah. so the idea uh, you it's always like a you know continue forward setting uh, which is which is nice um,
2: yeah I mean I mean, totally, uh, the best way I can describe it starts like famous echoes um, et mm-hmm. uh, goonies mm-hmm. and more recently, more recently stranger things and yeah it's yeah, it's really kind of. I mean, I live through the eighties. I live for the eighties. I mean, I have no kind of wish to go back there. But the way the way eighties the is portrayed in *Tales of actually, yeah, it kind of nails that tone really well. And I mean, I, I think until I something is very interesting it started out as an art book. Yeah. Then it became a role play game. Then it became yes. so, then a TV series, and now there's a board game as well.
1: Yes. Um, my understanding of the, the timeline is, uh, yeah, as as you said, it it, it started as Simon Stallenhag is the That's artist yes. behind uh, this series of art pieces, which are just this alternate reality '80s. So he put in sort of big floating um, tankers and things like that, slowly moving over a countryside of of uh, an otherwise normal countryside of snow. Um, a a child who is, has some weird equipment on on them controlling a, a big robot Giant um, arm, yeah. there is a sense of naivety to the child but also this like police car is barreling towards them because it's obviously dangerous um and things like that and they're just uh, images that really evoke a sense of a strange uh, world however everybody in it is innocent to how different it is to everywhere else um and it really lent itself to the idea of this um child or this, this kid-led role-playing game yeah. Um, and then uh, I, from my understanding, the Amazon TV series came after the role-playing game was yeah. um, was interesting, but I don't think it did very well. well um, it was it
2: was interesting to watch. I think some really good stories, and it did nail the atmosphere of the role-playing game and the art book. Mm-hmm. I just don't think rating-wise it kind of did as well as Amazon at hoped because they had to pay a fair bit for the IP. But it's still really good. I mean, I, my wife and I enjoyed it. It was kind of... I, it, the pacing, I think, would have turned a lot of people off because it was very mm-hmm. slow. Mm-hmm. But we, it was just so beautiful. Look at the real nail, the scenery, the location. And it's like, yeah, it's a take time, but I can just sit back and enjoy it. And I think people that kind of may want something a bit more faster paced pace, it wouldn't be for them. But like I said, they know that they know that kind of wonder. And so, I like the way the fact they kind of recreated some of the art pieces in the TV show. So I mean, okay, you kind that, of
1: have to. When the art's that yeah. good, you can't not.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I remember once that scene stands out where you kind of had that giant robot with the arm and the police car ch- uh, charging towards it, you find all the context leading up to that. Actual image, and that was quite quite cool. And is that that only the writer's interpretation of the of the events yeah. leading up to that image? So, so, yeah, one thing sorry, you go ahead. No, I'll finish, sorry, please.
1: Go ahead. Uh, one thing I really like about the role playing, uh, role playing game is, uh, that, um, and you'll find this a lot in several other um, similar systems, uh, other systems that use uh, similar mechanics to, um, to tell someone is that instead of like hit points, you have a series of uh, conditions. Yeah. So if your child, if your kid fails at something, you'll they'll become either upset or injured. And that's like, you know, they've got a scraped knee or a broken leg or something like that. But, uh, or they'll be uh, frightened and they're all things that can, can affect, you know, kids that so you can see them affecting them. And then the last thing that can happen to them If they get all of those and then get another condition, they are broken and they can no longer succeed at anything. And I just love this idea that it really follows those kinds of movies and TV when the kids try to do something like they reach a big pivotal scene of like halfway through the the movie when they try and do something and they fail, and then they all go back to their like shared area or someone's home or something, and they have a big falling out because they're just angry at the situation and one of them has been hurt and all this kind of thing. And then they all split up. And what the role playing game does is encourages you at that point to go and interact with an anchor. So this like other NPC and you narrate how this interaction happens and you can heal all of your conditions through interacting with them. And so that's the kids all being angry going to like their parents or the local librarian or the school teacher or whoever their anchor is and having that little scene that reminds them of why it's great to be a kid and all come back together and be friendly and all this kind of thing and then they all come back together and they all all apologize just like it happens in the movie and then they can go and figure out the plan to go and solve the mystery defeat the thing whatever they need to do yeah. It really yeah. matches the tone that I would yeah. hope for in something yeah.
2: like that. And you're, I mean, when you're writing um, The Grew Up So you... Oh, obviously... I've mean this. Yeah. yeah, that, that, yeah. That. yeah. 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 Uh, you nailed British culture perfectly in that time. Thank you. Thank I you. mean, I was reading that, and like, I like, they grew up in the 80s. Um, I was an in 85, I would have been 10. So, yeah, I was kind of very much around at that time. And yeah, you nailed the... Uh, what we do and what we would like the tv like three channels four later when channel four came along yeah. and the kind of whole kind of culture of uk at that moment and he touched on the politics and Thatcherism. i didn't should... want
1: to go too far into that just because one is like an alternate reality and two um there's only so much you can write without getting angry at that um...
2: yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah um... it, it, but it was a point at that time, it didn't need to be acknowledged. Absolutely.
1: It, it, it more affects sort of the parents and the sort of side, the, the, the secondary scenes yeah. for most of what would happen in a game. But it can really set, um, set a tone for that. And also like the context for many mysteries that can happen in that region. Just the idea that maybe, um, maybe the loop is undergoing a change in structure because some, some government thing is happening. And, yeah. um, and so the kids, like, they're broadly aware of it, it doesn't affect them, but it does affect the world, uh, and that is that is kind of fun because it, it it can really add to a lot of scenes of maybe a maybe that's causing parents to argue, which is then affecting the kid, and that can all actually cause like conditions in the kid. They can get upset. That now allows um, that then affects things later on. Um, and thank you very much for saying that. I really captured the '80s. Like I I was born in '85, so there is like. There is a period that I was living there, but only so much of that really uh, impacted on me. And it it was really fun writing this. I didn't grow up in Yarmouth, which is where the Yarmouth. Wow, (laughs) I
2: was good. Like I've I've been to Great Yarmouth a few times, Mm very recently, until very recently. And you really nailed that sense of kind of. seaside tower uh yeah. after season and also, why did you why did you choose to set it in
1: yarmouth so um i wasn't actually the person who originally made the loop oh, okay. in the uk setting uh i think it was our friends the machines is a previous book and in that they created yes. a um how to make a loop wherever you want guide and yes. they created one in greater greater yarmouth there okay so originally so I'm going to get in. I'll get into like how this all came about if I can. Um, Me too. So back in 2017, this whole thing started. Um, I uh, I had a copy of Tales from the Loop. I liked it. I had some of the additional books, and reading through it, I loved a lot of the mysteries. But I one thing I did notice is that while there are little instances and touches of kind of uh, kid stories. Or little touches of like mysteries that you would you would maybe find in a in a children's TV show or something. There wasn't a really core trope that I absolutely loved in those things, which is the children find a creature that they have to keep away from adults, and then the government finds out. And that's like a core story. You've got E. T, you've got Water Horse, you've got Pete's Dragon, um all all like a whole bunch of things. Mac- I, I haven't seen Mac and me, but I'm aware of it.
0: <laughs> um, the, the Paul Rudd thing. I'm yeah. unfortunately
1: aware of it. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I just realized that I wanted to write a thing on this. So I just, I just straight up emailed uh, League. I think I emailed their customer service department and said, I'm a writer. I work on role playing games. Here's the things I've written. Um, I have an idea for a, uh a, a mystery that involves this kind of thing. Can I please pitch you? And they, uh, that somehow made it all the way to, uh, Nils, who's one of the head guys at free league. And, uh, he emailed me and said, this sounds great. Can you send us like a proper pitch document? Um, here's what we need to know. So I remember sitting on my sofa. Um, I was, I was at my, my mother's house for Christmas. Um, and all like all the other guests had left and I was uh, my my mother was on a computer and I was sitting there surrounded by like Christmas chocolate, gorging myself and on the laptop just typing away this this pitch document for the four adventures that you find in the book. Um, and so the book itself, uh, the four adventures are basically um, spring, summer, autumn, and winter. It follows yeah. so one long story in which you find, look after, and resolve a story regarding a an entity that you discover slash discovers you. And um, obviously I don't wanna spoil it if anybody listening is, um, do I have to go to my bed or is that a dog? me sorry i've 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 blocked off so
0: other people can't hear me shouting at my dog and i forgot the block my dog's been an absolute asshole at this moment in time he uh he's just being a douchebag knock my bloody microphone over and apologies so carry on if i shout at my dog just ignore me
1: (laughs) it's okay i fully sympathize we have a two-year-old dog i like i i know i know Um, so um yes uh so the where was I? You, the four mysteries uh, build up the this, this story. I don't want to kind of spoil anything, but um, you discover more about the creature, its wants and needs, um, its, um, its abilities that it has and how those abilities then sort of impact on the children in various ways. And there are. Um, each mystery has you focusing on a different problem that those things then cause and it was really fun kind of thinking up these, these issues and uh, finding fun things for players to do regarding that. Um, The one thing that was, what was a little difficult was finding a way to make the kids care about Well, not Obviously people are going to kind of invest in a story that they're a part of. uh, And you kind of expect players to go along with what a GM is, is asking you to be involved with. But on top of that, uh, you want to kind of push this idea of of players being like really invested in, yeah. uh, in build stuff. So, build a connection. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, there is an optional sort of rule in there for GMs that um, if they want, they can build a more kind of more real connection between the children and the creature. Now the creature can't like talk or anything like that, but there are ways that it can communicate feelings, emotions and yeah. so forth with the children. And, um, some of the children can feel that more, some of them can feel it less, and so it allows there to be a, a, a level of empathy involved with that. And it was very fun kind of designing this creature. I worked, I, I, I tried to communicate it as best I could, um, and I, one thing that really stuck with me that really was a core idea was that it had to be as adorable as possible, because what I wanted to do was players to latch onto it the same way they latch onto a useless goblin in dungeons and dragons um they needed to to like care about this thing and that could be through the fact that the the, the players and the kids have basic empathy it could be uh, it looks adorable it could be the the gm the storyteller narrates how it acts towards them and that was that was always a, a core thing that needed to be in there, and uh, from my understanding, I, uh, like people people playing it who've talked to me have said that they've they've used all those things together, and different players respond different ways. Yeah. So it, it seems to have worked.
2: Yeah. Like I've read for the book, and uh, it's a yeah. I really, like, I really like the way you describe the creature, because even though it can't communicate verbally, I mean you've got to sound like your communication it, all communication is like seventy percent non-verbal. Yeah. there's a lot of body language there's a lot of kind of tilting and smiling and eyes and everything and the way you kind of describe where it's interacting really kind of nails the fact that yeah you don't, it doesn't need to talk it can communicate yeah. quite quite well if provided the uh, storyteller gm what have you can communicate or at least can translate how it's communicating yeah. without saying it's saying this but not but not um, yeah. saying like, you've got to say it's kind of noses up to you and kind of brushes against your leg and, and yeah. kind of gazes up with its eyes at you and looked at something. You Absolutely, kind of, big, yeah. big
1: black eyes that look up at you with, with care and yeah. um, trying to describe how the, I wanted the creature to physically look in some of the artwork to the um, to, to Free League was fun because uh, I was like no imagine a pygmy hippo but slimier <laughs> but and a, and a bit cuter and a little more pink um and i think i drew a little picture of it at one point it was a terrible drawing of a little um little creature with like little beady eyes um and uh they they did some really great work i got some uh, early concept art uh, i might ask them if i can if i can share that um and uh there was like a version that was more more smooth there was a version that was like almost scaly like an armadillo and i was like no that like that one although it looks cool, isn't cute. I need players to be like, oh, it's doing an adorable thing. Let's look after it. Um, yeah. yeah
2: it's, I mean, like, the, one thing that I kind of did come across is you'd look at the artwork and look at how you described it and the two would com- much completely.
1: The artist was brilliant. Like yeah, they, and they, that's they, a rarity they, nowadays. Absolutely. They had, uh, I, I think they've used some Simon Stalinhard art, but I don't think it's much. I, they have someone who who uh, emulates his style and has has the like um they have the permission to emulate his style for our work in this in in the books that they do and they do a really good job of drawing United Kingdom scenes in Simon Stallenberg style and uh, I'm I'm just really impressed with
2: I love the front cover of it because like it's, it's kind of got those um. It's like they've got it's got a windmill and kind of this science this futuristic tractor, yeah. That's all broken down and it's just yeah. I mean, bar in the futuristic tractor, it looks exactly like from a youth when you could walk it across the farmer's field and when trying not to get caught.
1: Absolutely, there was one one fun uh, piece of artwork I remember, which I had to ask for changes to, and uh, it it was originally in the uh, early access PDF, so I I I know I can mention it, and that there was. The, in the second mystery, there's a picture of a child holding this weird creature, um, and in the original one, they had their hand sort of underneath there and the other hand over the top. Um, unfortunately, it looked like the hand, which was covered in slime as well, is up the creature's. <laughs> um, they, they they did make an edit to that and they have they have fixed that. Um, Whoops. So it, yeah, it, it's fun. like this. Working in design for for as long as I have, I'm fully aware of how, unfortunately, you can make unfortunate pictures that are either look like they're weirdly placed or look like genitalia quite easily. Um, And then you have to be like, ah, I'm going to change that. Um, But they (laughs) they were entirely professional about the whole thing. And they they, they said, oh, yes, we see that. Okay, we'll change it. Um, As I said, Free League have been one of the... I would say that Freely have actually been the best company I have worked with when it comes to this kind of thing. Uh, there was even, um, there was some awkwardness because I sent off the original pitch document and they said, yes, this is great. I got a contract and they started working on that. I sent in my first draft and then there was an obvious shift behind the scenes. At the time, I didn't know why, but it's I'm guessing that they got the rights to alien around that time. And so they were like, Oh yes, make this thing. Uh, and it became a huge priority for them. And this got put to the side, which is why mm. I, I first wrote this in 2017, 2018, and it didn't come out until this year. Oh, um, well. but throughout that entire process, they were entirely open with me about what was going on. I, they couldn't talk to me about alien at the time. Um, and I'm not hundred percent sure that's exactly why, but there was obviously a, a change behind the scenes. Um, and Uh, like back at, back then, uh, about a year after they basically, uh, they didn't shell this product, but a year after they, they slowed this product down, they paid me. Everything was fine. The product hadn't even been like, uh, confirmed and they hadn't, um, they hadn't signed off on the final writing. They paid me for this, and then a few years later, they asked for uh, revisions and edits, and they paid me again for those, which you don't find in the industry. I've yeah. I've worked for another company who I literally waited four years for because oh, and I'm still waiting for. In fact, wow. um, well, um, uh Oh no, sorry. I re- sorry. I'm I'm going to correct that. I recently got paid by them because I pushed for saying four years later is too long for me to wait for a third party to confirm something in a license, and you should. Um, while the contract says that we should wait for that, one, you didn't know that was going to happen Two, we didn't know COVID was going to happen and slow everything down. And three, it is against the spirit of the, the agreement we made early on. Please pay me. I will happily do any edits if I have to later on and won't get paid for them because that's not in the contract, but you need to pay me basically what you owe me at this point. Um, and free weren't like that. Free free League were absolutely wonderful and uh, more than happy to accommodate um, kind of the needs of the writer. Um, And also, I think they pay the best in the entire industry, from my understanding, at least like um, Swedish krona to euro is it it might just be that that's good right now. I don't know, but um, they pay quite well
2: okay yeah because I mean uh, like the, all of our interactions with free league uh, like we met them a few times at UK Games Expo mm. but, and they've always been completely open completely professional mm. I mean you've got to compare that to some experiences we've had at either UK uh, UK Games Expo or CEX where we turned up to one company at, C, at CEX and we just given a running round of can you talk to us no I can't talk to you well can we talk to someone who, who can talk to us no because no and it's
1: like because is they it like have any- ndas and suits basically no
2: because they didn't have anyone that was media trained
1: oh at CEX, egx
2: yeah egx EGX, or
0: cx not cx, CX. Yeah. we CX. weren't GX. trading we weren't trading in our old xbox and some games <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah
2: EGX, that was it sorry about- yeah <laughs> that's one time he's going why are you why are you here X-Go? yeah why- without anyone that's media trained because
1: this is what they like, are you trying to appeal only to the like 0.01% of the UK's players who come to this event what were you doing? Right.
2: Exactly. So it was really odd. But then you go to like somewhere like Freedley and it's like, yeah, okay, let's do it right, right here.
1: Let's have a chat yeah. with them. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the role playing game industry is, is small enough that that, that is a big deal.
0: Yeah.
1: Like the, how the tone of, of things like that, um, the fact that people need to be media trained in, in the role playing game industry, like I get it, but also
2: the uh, uh, corporate well, role playing games are becoming I mean I think like D and D is big. And yeah. but through that, I think especially given the issues Wizards of the Coast and um oh the parent company. Hasbro. Hasbro, Hasbro thank you. did the start of the year. That's gonna kind of Cool a lot of people's opinions towards D and look at other games, role playing games.
1: Hopefully, I'd be just interested to see the stats and whether or not that's true.
2: Um, I
1: yeah. think Start Playing, yeah, yeah. uh, Start Playing do like professional DD stuff, Um uh, so like you can sign up and then get paid to do DD and things like that. They they bring out stats for how popular the different systems are, yeah, on, on there. So, uh, when they come out with their next lot, I'd be very interested in seeing. Very like,
2: true yeah cuz i think, i think that's going to be Rangers. i don't because what happened definitely hurt
1: has their
0: their new Virtual tabletops not exactly covering itself in glory apparently either. It's, uh, it's not. It's... I, I
1: I tried it. It's no. they like it's so bare bones that they obviously have not been doing very well at it. And some other company is working with them to create a 3D tabletop. Which I'm like, why are you creating a 3D tabletop? It, like you, if I want to add anything to this game, I have to know how to 3D yeah, develop exactly. 3D yeah. models. Um, whereas yeah, I mean, with, with, with like a, a flat tabletop, I'm like, cool, put a picture of dragon in there. Go. Yeah, like we use roll 20 and like, it has, yeah. its,
0: it has its problems. Like it it it's a bit glitchy now and again, and, and it's a bit slow, but it, it, it works. It does. It suits the purpose. And, yeah. um, it's easy. It's easy. That's yeah. what you need. Yeah.
1: You, you, you want to enable 12 year old little kids to GM a game for their mates. You don't want to like, and and sure, like if you're doing a 3D tabletop thing, that means you sell them more uh, more Assets. approved things. Yeah. But if if they just want to, you know, run a silly little game in a little tavern that they've got, World 20 is great.
2: Yeah, um, I'm kind of being a bit of a luddite like when I prefer. To role-playing in person oh in a i actually prefer but...
1: role-playing in person but i moved to germany and my options are limited <laughs> so, I, I mean i mean there's kind of things that we ask chris like what's
2: role-playing like in germany compared to the uk um
1: so there's an interesting thing um so this is a mix of german culture and also its history with role-playing games until fifth edition the big role-playing game in uh, in germany was uh, i think it's dash fratz Auge, the dark eye and um, uh, which is uh it's you know fantasy fantasy role playing game yeah. um it had its own separate uh interest group had a larp after a while and kind of together they they created created interest yeah. um it obviously more recently because of the popularity of dnd um it has kind of overtaken slightly however people still play the old one um and from my understanding like mechanically it's fine um it Still has a legacy of problematic content which other games with more eyes on them have been looking to solve but um but you know it it has it, it's it 's also becoming a product of, of modern sensibilities and stuff um, but in germany uh, kind of culturally, it is hard to find a group of friends um, because a lot of German culture is based around the idea of social clubs. Um, there is like, there's a joke in, in Germany, which is that you get three people in a single location who have a shared interest and they will form a club. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so a lot of my, uh, my in-law family are involved in like a local hiking club. Germans love hiking as well. It's a whole thing. Um, but there's like a hundred people who go to this, this local hiking club and it's the center of a community. There are other, cl- uh, there's like a geek club nearby and all this kind of thing. And so, I mean, in general, it's hard for me to join many of these because it, they will speak German. Lots of people in uh, Germany do speak English, which is great. English uh, teaching of foreign language is terrible. Teaching of English in other countries is great. So it's helpful. Um, um, but trying to get in on those groups and know they exist and then joining them is difficult. Germany inherently has some difficulty with technology. Therefore not many of these clubs have web pages. So it's hard to find that they exist you find out about them through like social contacts and I don't have them because one, I work from home and two, I'm foreign. So, um, there, there's like a limiter on, on that kind of thing. So fortunately I've, I've, I've found some really cool local people who like do LARP role-playing and stuff like that. And so, um, it's taken me a little bit of time, but I'm becoming more involved with that on a local scale. Um, but in general, role-playing in online role-playing online has been a like some it's like thrown a lifesaver to me yeah. how's the, is that- the german language are you
0: are you are you tra- proactively trying to learn or is it just oh,
1: my deutsche is not so good uh <laughs> yes um my my german is not very good right now i uh i've really tried to learn um as much as i can it's um i can i can get by uh however german syntax is quite difficult mm. uh Everything has a pronoun. Um, I mean, people talk about like the the joke, the boomer joke is like everything has a pronoun these days. They should come to Germany. Everything has a pronoun. <laughs> um, uh, and knowing that, like it, my my partner, she says that oh, in I, I can't remember which way around it is, but like oh, you know, in 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 Germany, uh, the moon is feminine and the the sun is is masculine, and in France it's the other way around, and it's just like. Different countries have their own sets of things. So, like, why do I need to know if the table is a man? Yeah. That's just... <laughs> true. Yeah, it's really, it's. it's and, odd. and then, then with role playing, you have a whole other set because when you have a fictional thing, people just make them up. What is the gender of a? Uh, of a oh. uh, phenalax. I yeah. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, my my German consists of uh I actually went, went to Hamburg and um I was I asked a German friend, I was like, so I need it I need something I I, you know, I might need when I go to Germany and she's like, meine vasamal my va mine it's kaput and I was like, What does that mean? She's like, My watermelon is broken and yeah. I was just yeah. like, I'm never gonna use that but there's a photograph of me in Hamburg with my hands on my head with a broken watermelon by my feet, going, Mina Malone it's kaput I was like, I got to use I think- it, I got to use it <laughs> I was absolutely I was buzzing because I got to use that yeah. phrase <laughs>
1: um what is it i i find that you just need a few phrases to get by when you're on holiday in most places and it's yeah. like in in germany it's ich möchte ein Bier, yeah. um, <laughs> uh or or like things like that you you'll find like where is the toilet you'll learn or things <laughs> like that all, all the things that are gonna get in the way of a very minor level of interaction um but yeah it's it's I've got, you know, I've got Duolingo. I'm trying to learn as best as I can. Um, the only thing that's getting in the way right now is, is, you know, life. i have got i have got a, I've got a two year old daughter, as I said, um, and uh, she takes up a lot of the day, uh, work takes up a big portion of that. And at the end of the day, I don't want to be learning Duolingo. Um, <laughs> Duolingo is great. Um, however, it doesn't help with conversational German. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so um, in <laughs> interacting with people. And discussing things in Germany is the best way to learn that. But what happens is I go down, like, my, my partner is German, but prefers to speak English. Um, so I don't get too many opportunities in the home to do it. I actually speak more to my daughter in German just because, uh, she switches between them all the time and I have to kind of try and figure out what she's saying. (laughs) Like, like, like any parent, knowing what, trying to figure out what your child is saying sometimes is is quite difficult. And then going, was that, was it actually English or was that, um, but, uh, you, what I'll do is go to the bakery, and I'll be like, okay, here's the chance. I could get to practice. Okay. Ich möchte Zwölf Weisbrot. And they'll be like, oh, you speak English. Okay, I can practice my English with you. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no, I, I didn't speak
2: my German. <laughs> oh, what you're saying about a uh, children language, it's like remind me, um, many years, like f- five years ago, um, my then two-year-old was, was po- pointing at glasses of water and going, Doa, Doa. I'm going, Doa, what's that? And Karen spoke to a few people and found out through an in law that Doa is Welsh for water. Mm. Oh. Now we live 150 miles away from the Welsh border.
1: Yeah.
2: How on earth We did not, did not talk to anyone from Wales? How did they pick up the Welsh group water?
1: No idea.
2: No idea whatsoever. So, but yeah, I just find that absolutely as soon as a word and just like, it'll just drop into their internal dictionary and use it.
1: Fair enough. Right. Uh, I... What what I have found is, is quite useful is um No, sorry, um what I was gonna say, like I like I totally sympathise with that. Um trying to figure out what as I said, what what children are saying is just like yeah it's just, they it isn't, they haven't got different languages just the lack of clarity on some words the fact that they don't know how to form a sentence correctly all the time right, yeah, and yeah. then add on top of that the possibility but, of words from another language coming through and it's just like
2: <laughs> yeah well um, it, yeah i mean it, the a approach to language is absolutely fascinating scattershot but absolutely yeah. fascinating like basically where do the kind of come up with those words I like, and often it'll be like often from their friends they kind of learn words and they'll make up words between themselves that they know what they mean but everyone outside of their little group hasn't got a yeah. chance
1: what what i have found has been fun though with the german language is um I, I was a bit cheeky at a LARP I go to in, in, uh, in the UK still, like I, I, we occasionally go on holiday there and go to the LARP for a whole Um, and well, there which, is, which, which LARP do you do? Empire LARP.
2: Oh, I've got a few friends there. Yeah. Uh,
1: there is a, there is a ritual, a spell that you can cast in the game, which allows you to send a five by five grid of words to a, um, like a magical entity that can then respond to you in theory. Um, and in theory countries all over this fictional world interact with this entity um and so uh, they should in theory know all these languages so i was like what can i do and uh, like to 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 further my ability to send messages to this thing it's only a five by five grid so it's 25 words and i realized that i can use german compound words to put more meaning into the <laughs> same number of things and uh, like i have i have i have a copy of Like, I had to recreate in the field because I I forgot to take it in. But I've got a copy of it here, and I don't know if it shows up. But several of those words literally wrap around because they are so long. Because there aren't words for certain things that exist in the setting, so I had to make them up. So instead of, like, uh, for for one, there was, like, a very specific kind of priest in the setting that I wanted to mention. And that is, like, I, I put together, like, priest um offering uh offering like lawyer services and all kinds of things into one word and it just wraps around the 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 little box I put it in, Um, and I feel very sorry for the poor person who behind the scenes opened that and went, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) So how does, you know, I've never LARPed
0: before, I've seen the the YouTubes and I know Pete's uh, Pete's LARPed, but um, how does,
1: uh, how how is Empire, like, um, what as an event... Empire is, um, I think, now three thousand players in the field. Um, it is a, a wonderful and immersive experience that allows people to uh, get really involved with some really good plots in in, in that world. Um, they've made a lot of really good decisions, and you can really you really tell looking through how the game is designed that pretty much everything in there is not designed with um, the intent of just telling a good story or just trying to create an interesting world, a, l- a huge amount of the decisions in creating that world and the mechanics behind it are what adds to role playing. Mm. So, for example, one one example that um, I, I've recently talked to someone else about because I was talking about um, the the ability to do like secretive magic and like uh, and and not let someone know whether or not you are affecting them. And the trouble is, like, doing magic... Like, say I, I I was in a corner of a room and I was secretly doing a little ritual that then causes someone to get angry or something like that. You can't do that in the world of Empire um, because the rules of magic in that game are, like, you can create a curse, certainly, and you cast it with your ritual buddies, but then someone has to actually go to them and cast it on them while it within, like, touching range in a way that is obvious to everyone around that you are cursing them. It's not a secretive thing you can do, because, uh, and I imagine I I haven't exactly asked why, but I'm imagining that it's because it's good for the UI. You do not need someone to go over and be like, you've been cursed, here's what it does. (laughs) Um, Two, um, telling you who your enemy is, is more interesting than someone doing something to you and you never seeing them again. Um, And three, just it gives more roleplay to everyone in that scene because the person cursing you from the moment they start the curse, uh, from the moment they like, they trigger it, uh, which is called a pronouncement of doom, I think, which is great. Um, you are cursed. You can't stop it. Um, but you uh, basically, they get to ham it up. They get to be like, do you know what I've done to you? It'll have this effect and this effect and blah, blah, blah. And you'll, you'll find that you won't be able to hold on to any money. It'll fall from your hands, all these kind of thing. Um, and, the person can then react to them and get angry and it creates opportunities to show off who your character is. Um, whereas if I hid in the corner of a room, like I've heard happens in like vampire masquerade or anything and secretly did a little ritual and told the GM and they went over to the person and were like, yes, you feel like you're angry now. Then what can they do about that? There's, there's, they they can be like, oh, I'm, I'm angry. Cool. Um, I'm going to roleplay that I'm angry. Um, and like, maybe I can find out who did it in some way, but it doesn't, it doesn't create an ongoing story. It it just stops there, apart from the victim.
0: So how does it? So obviously we we've been doing a and D game for the last like three years, and um, yeah, I find it hard enough with six people. Um, how does it work? In uh, in do they have like that person that, that 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 person upset and cursed? Sorry, I really
1: focused on one mechanic there. Yeah, uh, but no, it's but just not, like. That...
0: Just, I'm yeah. just sort of interested sort of is there like a is there a story behind the entire event or is it literally just yes. player
1: driven to do certain the, things there is a context behind the whole thing which is uh, basically once per season in this fantasy world um all the nations of this larger empire um the the sort of heroic figures of the nation and that's a very broad term meaning anybody of importance of this nation come together to do various things on some on uh in in some ways it's just a big celebration of the fact that everybody's all together on the other hand the uh the sort of gms of the game um and writers and all this kind of thing have the idea that it's the main political thing once every season everybody comes together and makes the decisions so the the senators who are voted for by the players will come together and make senatorial decisions the um the priests of the setting will all come together and and vote on things that they will then go away and, and uh, proletize to the people about what they should and shouldn't be doing. Um, And uh, that, that influence like the heart influences, the hearts and minds that aren't the players, basically the nations and and the people of the empire. Um, And uh, the, the boss, which is like a, like the the merchant class of of this thing will have their own auctions and buy things and sell things and affect things in other ways. Then there is a conclave, which is a group of magicians and they influence um, influence decisions related to magical concepts, rituals that can be banned or allowed or uh, interactions with uh, magical beings or other decisions involving magic and other things in, in, in the setting. Um, And then uh, once the weekend is over, everybody goes away and all all these effects then happen the plot affect the plot behind the scenes, which then sets up the context for the next one um there 's also like a generals sorry another thing which then uh, the generals affect the sort of uh, army mini game where they move armies around and fight things um and there 's like quite a quite a detailed um mechanical thing behind that um and all these things can interact to an extent and they are separated to an extent in an interesting way. So the, the conclave cannot be affected by priest stuff based on the constitution of the empire because some historical thing meant that they were separate so that they could work independently. The The senate can't affect the priesthood's uh, decision-making skills The uh, to an extent. the and, and all these things mean that people can affect people, but only so much. And it means there's interesting decisions made Um, and that there are, um, there is back and forth and politicking and all kinds of things. Um, And on top of that, there's other plots that happen. The writers um, create enough plots so that every nation in, uh, so there there are sort of 10 nations that make up this empire. Every nation has their own little plot going every event. Um, Many of the sort of archetypes for each nation, like thematic archetypes are, are affected in this way um there's a whole money system in the game the the creators of empire minted a whole currency that is used in every event you get a little bit of money they can spend on drinks or whatever you want um and so you know there's there's moving pieces and, and a whole economy in in the game um and it's with so much data it's so so very immersive um it is busy but,
2: entire like each lab is an entirely different culture yourself yes. it i mean yeah. uh i i've been to the um
1: oh, every every different actual like yeah. whole larp, not every event yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah yeah i mean uh i went i mean i've been to the larp in locker park in derby um uh the gathering by yes i've had loving trust uh, mostly because I, I live 10 10 miles away and actually, my my first article I did for the BBC was covering LARP at the gathering. So that was fun. Mm. And, yeah, I mean, like I said, like, they've got an entire economy there. Someone runs the bank.
1: Yeah.
2: And at one time, I, I was playing this um, constable with the mm. militia. And we tried to go, basically, some lunatic was trying to rob the bank Then I was like, oh, no, you can't do that, dude. Come on. <laughs> do you know you do not miss with the Treasury?
0: How does, All right. Yeah. Okay. You know, how does that work with people just being assholes? You know, how
1: do you, how does that sort of get sort magic. of magic stopped? It 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 depends on the system. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Empire, from my understanding, is uh, a bit more loose in how it handles things. There's no central bank in Empire. You just have money, and it you know changes hands. Um the um the idea of like the checks and balances for for various things is uh, there's like there is militia and um the the judges of the setting the magistrates they they are npcs so they are trusted by the organizers to be able to try and be impartial um but the people that the uh like the militia themselves they are players who go out and investigate the things so if you go out and try and do something bad there will be a repercussion um, if you like the creators of the game actively kind of discourage you going out as being stab happy little numpty, and so you you very really, very rarely, yeah, yeah it very it very very rarely happens. The game is not about that, frankly. It's not about going and stabbing people. the The area that it's setting is meant to be generally safe, um, and uh, several things are are there to stop you being a little numpty in some way way shape or form, um, but uh if you if you go in with the idea of just having a laugh and trying to wreck things you'll i think you will be sorely disappointed at the reaction that you will get uh and uh in in, in terms of people will either know how to shut you down from being someone who tries to ruin the game or uh otherwise it just won't work the way you think um yeah, I think however also... on the other sorry
2: I feel also the way, the way they do some of the mechanics behind it as well, it kind of encourages a more positive and less egregious playstyle than Absolutely. you know being a poison. I mean, like uh, I joked to one of my friends who goes to Empire god so you're gonna poison anyone this time. You're gonna you're gonna poison them. You, you you got the herbs, you got the you could be around poison people you I can't do that. I can't. I really, because you have to walk up to them and like some of the referee will be the entire time. And it's just done in such a way that it's, it's really it's,
1: hard. It's not poison. quite that bad. So say I wanted to poison someone, I could go and get a little poison yeah. um, and then, you know, go up to them, talk to them, secretly put it in their thing. If there was a ref there, chances are much higher. So you'll, you'll inform the refs beforehand. They will try and get someone who is, in in like in character clothes to be around they won't always be dressed up as a ref uh, or they will have a ref like in a busy area they'll have a ref standing far enough away that they can watch you without trying to ruin what you're doing they they have enough experience at knowing we don't want to ruin this thing um, but there are ways to prevent like if someone takes a poison there are ways to heal them, uh, yeah. it's like anti poisons that you can make. However, there's a time limit to that, and the poison, the, the ref that is nearby will be like they'll be checking their watch, they'll be timing that. Um, but some things that, uh, some things that do prevent that, or just generally prevent someone stabbing someone near the loose when they go to the loo or something like that, is that um, if someone dies, in theory, you can later on uh, you there there are spells that, like, talk to dead people or um, or yes. things like that. So you, if if someone kills you and you know who they are, then you can, you know, you can say, this person killed me. Of course, you could lie. You still have the ability to lie. You're not compelled to tell the truth all, all the time. But um, the game is set up so that murder is entirely possible, but is encouraged to be a last resort. And I think that is very important to create a game that is fun for as many people as possible. Mm, absolutely. Um, the... um. What was I going to say?
0: Oh, I think that was it. Yeah, that sounds like it sounds really interesting. Um, I'd love to sort of try the one thing I like. I watched some of the battle stuff, and um, it it's uh, and I, th- I can't remember who it was that we talked to. Like Pete, um, uh, I can't remember. He talks to a lot of people, Matt. Oh uh, well, yeah, he was it. Um, yeah have gone now but we talked to somebody about you know doing the battles and it seems like the mm. enemy side seem to be a bit more cohesive because they don't have any heroes it's literally they're just trying to beat the yeah. uh, whereas the, the the heroes the hero side everybody's their own army and and so getting
1: cohesive units is quite hard because you know getting the getting the good guys to take a single step forward when you're like five feet away from someone is incredibly hard because everybody cares about their own character yeah. um, and this is there is definitely encouragement for the enemy side to also role play as much as possible so that they feel the same way that players do but unfortunately there is a reality behind that which is uh, those who are playing the enemy always feel a bit more disposable you're like okay i'm kind of here to die by these people's hands or give them a fantastic role play experience of fighting me and either being defeated by me or i die because I'm, you know, one of the bad guys. Um, bad guys in quotation marks, because that's yeah. a topic of conversation in, in those... Yeah. Um, and what I would say is that um, uh, the battlefield itself is, yeah, cornerstone of the sort of unique selling point of Empire, but like, I don't even go into the battlefield, and I still have a great time, because there's still stuff going on when the battle's on. It's, it's the best time to go and interact with as many people as possible, because... You Know, like, if two thirds of the field is off fighting, everybody else is free. Let's go and do stuff, let's go and role play with people. Um, yeah, and when like,
2: role play during happens the big on the battlefield, but, battle. but also, sorry, go on. no, but during the big battle at um, the last LARP I was at at um, Love and at the gathering, um, I because I had too my children with me, obviously, I couldn't go into the big battle, so I had mm. to stay there. And my like character, he like a combat, a combat medic, a healer, so I was working out at the, in the healer's tent. And I very quickly realised that my two children had he- were healers as well,
1: yeah.
2: and they had friends, and yeah. they had some healers, and we basically took over the healers' tent, letting all the healers go into the battle, and we basically set wow. up like uh, right, okay, we've got triage, we've got m- m- medics, we have got poisoners, like, and you yeah. know healers, we've got you know, all that, all that stuff, and basically wounded come in, triage, bam, 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 straight out the kids loved it cuz they were getting actively involved in the plot the healers and that were in the healers and loved it cuz they could get in the battle yeah and i loved it cuz they got right guys come in In you get
1: <laughs> and and go through the process of a triage and then like Exactly healed and stuff they, and they set up themselves yeah mm. i it's just
0: yeah, I was like, I I just the idea the ba- like like I'm I'm a massive history geek as well, and the idea of sort of like formations of you know walls of sort of, of spheres and stuff. But then I watch some of the videos, and you've got people who are just doing stuff on their own and, and not in formation, yeah. and and sort of like.
2: So there, <laughs> there do, some people do train together.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have. And I some did... of the best
2: groups do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I know of one group that takes. Um, like that does works in reha- rehabilitation, and I like, as a reward for good behaviour, he will take along a group of children from a you know that have like um, behavioural difficulties, mm-hmm. and if they've been like you know well behaved, they've earned the ability to go along to the like, probably a busy a penal court,
1: yeah,
2: and they work together in a penal court, and their reward for good behaviour and like
0: contributing is death. Is... <laughs> they're a penal court, so their death, death. Then their 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 reward is a is a glorious no. death. <laughs> no, basically
2: they're, they're in the group, their the penal court. Okay. And basically oh, in the, right, okay. in the group, right? In the group, they basically form their own like no, that's, that's their backstory.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. And I like, basically and they to come, they form, the run a unit together, mm. and they work together, and they collaborate together, and they kind of work in the box together. But that is their kind of reward as going to a LARP.
1: So um oh that's cool um what what I what I have noticed is that there are groups who very much train together, like they're all part of the same um, they're not part of a reenactment group I don't think, but they are part of a, a thing that comes together quite a lot and trains and mm-hmm. knows how to do things, and they are wonderful when you're, they're on your side on the battlefield and they're fighting as part of your nation or whatever but um, because of the si- size of Empire, what happens is that um, there's a big fight on Saturday and on Sunday, on the Saturday yeah. half of everybody goes out, uh, half of the nations go out Uh, in terms of player numbers, and they go out and fight as the good guys, the other half go out as the bad guys. Yeah. And you do not want that team on (laughs) the other side. Um, And what has happened uh, at least once is that uh, One Nation have like a big plot and they're like, oh no, we need to go on the battlefield and do this thing. Why can't we find anybody to help us? What's going on? And so they'll go out go, go out on like a smaller skirmish. So not a main battle, like something else that will happen uh, during the weekend. And they've managed to cluster together as many like oddball people who will, you know, do the thing you said, they'll fight on their own, they're not good at staying together, all this kind of thing. They go out onto the battlefield and the reason they couldn't find anyone is because that big block of people they have is the bad guys in that fight? And <laughs> they, they go out and they they realize we're gonna die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know they, they can they can escape. They can go back once they start realizing things aren't going their way. They can try and get out all this kind of thing. But it's uh it it's there's unfortunate situations uh, because there's some very very good people out there. And I my understanding is that the head of one of these like large blocks of players who go on the battlefield is in. As their job leads a group of riot police who basically use the same tactics and knows how to order people around and what to do um, and regardless of your uh, your views on police in general, that's a terrifying overlap of, of ability <laughs> yeah,
2: i I've, I've done a lot of kung fu and do lots of weapons training, and then we get given us a lot so and I just have so much fun yeah. And like it's, I had a wonderful sparring session with this other guy that also did um Kung Fu as well and we just like spent half the time just sparring with each other. Not again kind of like not. Just basically, this is really fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I, I I get a bit frustrated I think and stuff. I get frustrated when they, we don't people don't work as a team in Halo, let alone sort of kind of not doing it on a, on a field Yeah, yeah, but, yeah but I mean you
2: just have to leave then. I mean, I remember one time, in one skirmish, I was like, I was busy leading this team of militia against these, like, uh, spider things. And I was just betting, like, stand down, stand down, busy just yelling at the spider, just stand <laughs> down. It worked on some. They were just going, okay, what's...
1: What, have, just... what I've generally found is I've had... Uh, because, I've got, uh, because I've got my child, I've had less opportunity to go onto the battlefield empire and stuff like that. So me and my partner, we've worked out when we can possibly do that kind of thing. And now once per, per event, I go onto the battlefield not as the good guys. I go out as the bad guys All right. with the with the mindset of what I want to do is give players the most interesting time possible. And I remember there was one fantastic experience I had. I was playing like a uh, an orc from some uh, I, I can't remember which which side it was, but it was um, a lot of the orcs, uh, you know, have have a view that th- they don't reincarnate. They get one chance of life, and once they've they've died, they have to kind of achieve enough to be able to. Um, get to where their soul goes basically um and what happened is i was playing this npc and our group got like cut down and i was lying on the floor and some players were coming along and you know executing us on the battlefield and stuff and uh i i was waiting for someone to come along so i could i could like be like no just let me live and this this kid so there, there's like an a uh, there's like a limit on on children entering the battlefield based on their ability to role play and fight uh, appropriate to the rules and stuff like that. But this person must be no older than 11 or 12. Um, And they will have displayed that they are competent and safe at doing so. So this is fine. Um, And he came up to me and I I was just like, okay, I've got to give him the best experience possible. And he came up to me, leant over me. I was like, do you want to die fast or slow? And I just kind of reached out and like not grabbed him, but I was like on on his shoulders being like, just... Tell Groncher that I fought well. And he looked down at me, this 12-year-old kid, and just went, I'm sorry, and slit my throat. Like,
0: <laughs> oh, that is cool. That's cool, yeah, man. That's an experience right there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. At one of these days, I've told myself I'll try it. Uh, it's like I'll, I'll, I'll try it at some point in time. But uh, yeah, yeah, What
1: I would say is just don't focus on combat being the main part of it. Yeah, Especially yeah. at something like Empire, it's it, of all the pillars, and there are maybe like ten to twelve pillars, it's one part of a weekend, not the main reason to be there. Is your
0: There's is the, your missus uh, a fellow nerd then, or is it something she? Oh, begrud- oh, okay. So she's not being yeah. begrudgingly dragged to, to LARP. <laughs> we
1: met at Empire. Ah, we first met. Right. Uh, she uh, she was uh, a mage. I was at the time. Um, I was at the time uh, like being one of the the most uh kind of connected mages in in uh the nation I was in. And she was told, Oh, you know, you want to talk to this person about doing mage stuff. Uh, and so shortly after that she became an apprentice. And um, so I was I was like, I'll introduce it to the thing cause she was brand new. Um, and over time we just became friends. Um, and then her character got a like a role-playing thing that said that you feel more connected to someone and possibly even romantically towards someone who you know. And she had a little conversation with me saying, like, I want this to be you. And so we had a very sensible conversation, like, okay, what kind of in-character limits, uh, and sort what sort of outer-character limits? Are we okay holding hands, hugging, all this kind of thing, to are we okay following up on this? And uh, we, like, we started sitting closer together, arms around each other, all this kind of thing. Um, and over time, um, we started, liking doing that. Um, and then uh, we we started being a couple basically. Um, and we were long distance at that point. She lived in Liverpool, I was in I was in Scotland. Um, and so we would talk a lot and we would mostly see us each other at Empire um, despite trying to visit now and then. And then our characters got married. Oh. our characters got married a year before we got married in real life. <laughs> wow. Um, and because because of covid and because of Brexit happening nearly at the same time, we decided that uh, getting married was a good idea because then I could go to Germany. It would be a lot easier. Um, and it was very hard to get a good wedding with a lot of people in it. Our photos from our fictional fantasy wedding are so much better than
0: our real <laughs> wedding. Approaches. That's cool, man. That's really cool. I, I like that's um, an amazing that's story. An interesting, that's, that's a really good story.
2: Case of bleed over almost cuz like the cuz your characters kind of interacted first and had yeah. the relationship first and then it kind of almost opened the doorways for you both.
1: And I wouldn't say that. Like I okay. I I would say that us roleplaying more together just Started us talking more, yeah. If anything, and so we found that we yeah, did like each what, other, yeah. Um, and the uh, that we found that we had a connection and 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 liked each other. Um, we actually didn't role play much, rom- like traditionally romantic stuff as our characters we described ourselves as being a couple and that kind of thing. But aside from like sitting, when we would sit on a bench, like we would sit close enough that one could have an arm around the back of a person, but we weren't like lovey-dovey or anything like that. Right. That only really, like any kind of stuff like that, only really started once we became an actual couple. So it almost
2: kind um, of like opened the possibility for you. Would that be a favor?
1: Um, Only in so much as that we started talking more. That's what, so, exactly, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah uh it was not it was not bleed it was not bleed bleed between a character and anything like that um and i'm aware that that's a possibility it's actually quite a dangerous thing that um you start feeling feelings that your character might feel to another Mm. another player and you have to be very uh aware about that including like being angry at people all this kind of thing which is one of the reasons that we had the the talk as soon as she got this thing saying that she felt connection to someone we had a very sensible talk about um you know Are we okay holding hands? How do we want to do this? And one of the things we laid in, uh, wrote, uh, not wrote down, uh, you know, drew in sand, proverbially, is that that if one of us does feel romantic stuff towards the other, we have a very serious conversation about where we want to take this. Um, And when we did get together, we had the conversation, um, and it turned out we were both interested in trying out, seeing where it went, um, and that made it a lot easier yeah um to 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 because like with any relationship we communicated and that is like it communication is the core of of any important like relationship in any way Mm -hmm. any relationship yeah
0: yeah 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 yeah, yeah, well the rp thing like you know uh from my experience with just doing sort of tabletop RPGs and Dungeons and & Dragons stuff, it, it you can, like, people get very emotional. Like, I get emotional being the DM and stuff, but they can get emotional. And we've had sort of falling out between groups because people have said stuff that's in character and they're thinking, this is my character. And the other person's went... Got offended because they, as a real person, they didn't like that. And there's sort of that yeah. differentiation between the person and the character and, and the, what the characters do. And some of them are, are literally just role, role playing their characters. And sometimes they can be a bit curt and, um, yeah. sarcastic. And the other, the person
1: in real life kind of go, I don't like that. That's really annoying. And, and uh, like yeah, you, you see it on Reddit all the time. There's so many Reddit threads which are like, my 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 players have this falling out, or I don't like what the play, player is doing, and all this kind of thing. And the first response is always just talk to them. It's the yeah. same on like relationship uh, forums or whatever it is. The it's like talk to them. Uh, be a be a goddamn adult about it. And yeah. it, like in in so- sometimes that doesn't work out. Sometimes it it it's that you discover there's an underlying issue and all this kind of thing. But trying to be more um, just, just, just being open and honest with people about an issue, and not closing off and assuming everything is would solve so many problems in this goddamn yeah. world in social. Media. Oh yeah, oh 100%. yeah, one hundred percent. Like
0: uh, we've we've had sort of we've been going for three over three years now, and we've had a couple yeah. of sort of moments where you know people at the start, especially because people didn't know each other, and they just sort of there was some tension and I got to the point where you could tell like because the thing in my group is people start being um, passive aggressive when you know and there's lots of lots of little sort of in our WhatsApp group lots of little sort of kind of like laughy faces and ha ha has and stuff and it's just like yeah they're not they're annoyed at each other so you have to literally grab them and go right what the fuck's going on where are the issues and then you have to sit down and go through it all and then it's work and then somebody new comes in and then the sort of new stuff comes in and you've got to go through that whole thing so we've got a new a girl potentially starting with us and i've said mm -hmm. i said look if there's any issues with anybody don't just hold there because we had a guy who literally he had issues with i don't know with me or with the group and he just left and he didn't say anything about it and my thing's like if you have any issues or you've got any problems with anybody whatsoever talk it out because we can discuss it you know it's not that's not a problem don't feel shy about having that conversation because it'll make the game a lot better
1: so um in in the chat uh one of the one of the one of the people chatting uh andy raff is saying like bleed is actually quite a common thing in larp and and ttrpg and they have it in common but it's it's arguably more intense in live action role play or live role play because of the immediacy because you're there because you're You're
2: directly immersed you're seeing it yeah
1: Yeah. and it like that that idea of the more immersive something is you the more you can feel that because you're trying to take on that persona because you're trying to be something. You're trying to empathize with a fictional character enough that you try and understand how you should feel and you end up feeling it. Um and it's very important. In in a LARP, you have really have to understand that the other person is playing, not them.
2: Mm-hmm, in a yeah.
1: the tabletop role-playing game, you've got a stronger separation because if someone continues to be a, a butthole to you <laughs> after they stop role-playing, then you can speak to them directly afterwards yeah
2: yeah, yeah. um yeah but but we in larp because there is almost direct, it is a far more distributed player base you can't always have that communication afterwards because they've gone back to say scotland or yeah. Wales and I, I about the country
1: much as social media is a uh, blight upon this world, the fact that it allows people to like yeah. check, check in it. and just be like, "Hey, you're a friend of that person. Can I just check that everything's okay with them?" That um, that's very useful. And I my understanding is that Empire uh, did recently put in a thing saying like, if you are continually being an antagonist to someone else, just check in on them. Just make sure that it's okay. Because what you don't want is for them to very much dislike you and can think it's you. Uh, instead of the character that you're playing because yeah, one yeah, of the just... best things to do in a in a lap is to play a villainous character or yeah. a, like an antagonistic character, and if you don't have that safety net of knowing that what you are doing is okay, that can go wrong.
2: I remember chatting with uh one of the um uh, refs at uh loving and Trust um Firepit, I think his name was, and he said like, one of the best things for him like as as a ref of the of the trust was basically they you know, watching these these two people playing these characters that absolutely hated mm-hmm. each other would go out and try and maim each other they would want enough more than absolutely destroy the other and then when come time out they kind of walk over and give each other a big hug
1: yeah
2: and said so just like just because like they were playing so well and so afterwards they had so much fun they walked over found their their characters you know nemesis and gave them and, I think- and yeah said thank you very much thank you for some fantastic yeah. role playing. Yeah. yeah the authentic experience, because that's what they're there for. I mean, every character needs a villain. Everyone needs it. And, yeah, to have that kind of experience mm. is, a, is, is definitely to be treasured.
1: Yeah. And, you know? But then again, there are plenty of people who go to these events who just enjoy the ambiance. They go to these events and they're like, I'm spending the weekend with, with my mates. If there's something happening around, maybe I'll get involved with it. But I kind of just want to sit around the fireside. Enjoy some of the music that's happening, maybe join in with some of the like the folk songs that people have made up in this world and like just experience the world as it currently exists. And that adds to the experience just as much as anyone, because you're moving through and you're seeing these people dressed as all these different things. And it, it adds to the idea that it's a, um, a continual world. We've been talking about LARP for a long time. Is there anything else that you folks no, want to? Like, you
0: know, I'm, I, I'm just I'm fascinated by it and stuff. So it's just sort of like in general,
1: it's just uh, it's You're good to understand. Also aware
0: that like it's it's eleven o'clock here, so it must be
2: like midnight for you
1: uh it is it is approaching midnight however i i am i am pretty bad for playing civ until two in the morning so uh...
0: (laughs) oh man games like that i hate games like that because you literally just want just one more turn just just one more turn and then you're just like i do with all the total war games i'm like one more turn a hundred turns later five in the morning
1: you're like i'm fucked (laughs) yeah so i mean from my point of view if you folks want to wrap up at any time like this is your show yeah, well, we're going to – I've got to work tomorrow,
0: so I need to take my dog yeah. for a walk, so we'll probably will sort of end it shortly. Um, before we do, we're going to do one of the things, because uh, you're suitably nerdy. We're going to do our, our pop quiz that we do. So it's oh. like it's like basically a 20-question um, sort of thing. So what okay. you do is you choose a character from a nerdy franchise. Obviously, hopefully, somebody we may be able to guess, not somebody okay. super obscure like Pete, yeah. like Pete likes doing – like some bloody nineteen fifties marvel character that had one one showing in a you know a comic book something main. I could not my fault. <laughs> so you choose a choose a franchise star wars star Trek whatever you want you know uh, a character and then we have to guess um the who the character is uh, right, okay. with 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 questions um so we'll do one each. Uh, you got 60 seconds. After the 60 seconds, you're allowed to ask one more question and then guess who the person is. Um, and so, yeah, so have yourself a think. I'm going to get myself a... I've got
1: one character ready. Right. I, get, I think I've also got a character. Oh, wow, okay. I haven't even
0: thought about mine yet. Um, okay, so uh, let me see. Let's go for this. All right, then, so... We'll start with uh we'll start with Pete so we can get we can get the idea so ask okay. us the yep. idea. So Pete who's what's your character from? Star Wars. Star Wars. Okay. So Star Wars 60 seconds go. Okay, original trilogy? No. Uh prequel trilogy? No. Uh series?
2: The- yes.
0: Uh Mandalorian? No. Ahsoka? Yes. I've not watched that yet, fuck's sake.
1: Oh. oh, 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 um do they have a non-human coloration? No. Uh
0: are they alien?
1: No. Are they droid?
0: No. Are they human? Yes. Uh are they imperial? No. <laughs> Okay, um... God, I've not seen a so good that, so I'm... I'm well, am are this
2: side with the Imperials. All I'm right, guessing.
0: so are they scum and villainy? No. Oh, so they're not like Bounty Hunter, then? No, not Bounty Hunters. Do uh, they have force powers? Yes, they do. Oh, um, played by an Irish actor?
2: No. Oh,
0: are they played by an Asian actor? I don't know if I do not what. Where they're from, to be honest. Okay. Is, it, is it the is it the it has has the actor died recently?
1: No, Awesome.
0: I haven't seen Ahsoka. I haven't seen
2: it. Yet, oh, you missing I've left it all,
0: so I can I can binge it, and so I've. I I'm just behind on my Star yeah. Oh. Um. Okay. I don't. I don't know, Pete. So you're gonna. Uh, I, okay. Uh, Oz. I have no idea.
2: I'm
1: really sorry. Um,
2: Shin. Shin Hattie, the uh Balin's uh, apprentice.
0: Means nothing to me. <laughs> I don't know, so.
2: um, Shin okay I'll quickly bring up a of yeah, but incredible, really great character actually,
0: well well worth watching. Alright, I've seen yeah, I've seen the um Yeah, she's yeah,
2: she yeah. is the safe apprentice to Balin
0: ah uh, yeah um, uh, uh, the uh, reason why you he said he's the exactly, one he died he he died recently and he's he's from he's from Lisbon he's from Northern uh, Ireland
2: yeah basically the Sith are trade has been not exactly well especially Balin's approach is not exactly sided with the Sith they're working with them but they are not imperial
0: uh, Right, right fair But is. I'm
2: not going to spoil any more because it is a great story it's a well worth a watch
0: okay cool alright Oz uh, what's your franchise where are we going
1: uh the marvel cinematic
0: universe oh okay okay all right okay so uh marvel i worry this is gonna be
1: too easy marvel
0: 60 seconds go uh have they got a film are they a... have they have they got a film of their own uh no are they are, are they a part of a film yes
2: okay uh, are they part of phase one yes are they hero no are they a villain?
1: No.
0: Are they a part of Shields? No. Are they a part are of Hydra? Human? Sorry. Hydra? Uh, no.
2: That'd be villain, dude. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> um, are they male? Are they, are they male? Yes. Okay. Mm, 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 oh, okay. Yes. Oh, that... that mm. Are they Asgardian? Yes. Are they low They are. <laughs>
0: okay. Very good. <laughs> All right. Um oh how, how fast was that Matt? I feel like I feel I have, that was fifty-five seconds, Pete. Very good. Um, okay. Um I feel like I need to do a Star Trek one because you know your Star Trek quite well, don't you? I was
1: tempted to do that, but also I felt like it would just like immediately get done. Right. Um
0: that's in my Star Trek sort of it would just be next gen pretty much, because I'm not sort of what's your, um, I'm trying to think on the other franchises. And So what's your Lord of the Rings like? Uh, are we talking movie or book? Uh, either or, I, you know, I can sort of, I'm,
1: I'm reading the Hobbit to my, my daughter and we tried Lord of the Rings, but I only really know the the movie. So uh, I'm better with that. Okay. Um, mm,
0: uh, okay. Let's see. What else can we go for? Um, what about Game of Thrones or The Song of Ice and Fire books and stuff? Are you? I
1: uh, again TV show TV show not books. Uh, uh
0: okay. Uh, um, okay. I'm gonna
1: do. I'm gonna just you do start. What you, want, tra- you do what you man. Say again. You do what you meant. What What you want? Um. I'm, I'm going if, to... get less, if if I don't get it that's on me
0: uh, <laughs> I know, but I don't wanna be a patent and give it a really obscure one that's just not I going do
2: not to be does he either you does really so easy good.
0: ones or really he does really easy ones or really obscure ones, and you're just like uh I don't, I don't know um okay, so I will go for I will go for all right, I'm gonna go for Lord of the Rings. Uh, And it is going to be from the film, so I'm not going too deep into the books and stuff like that. So um, Lord of the Rings... um, Let me just check, make sure. It's going to be... No, oh, no, no, no! It's going to be way too easy. Ooh, and... <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> Sorry, on, I know, I know, I know, I know. But I'm, just, I'm just going around my head. I'm just like, oh, this one I could do. This one. Oh no, I could do this one. Uh, no, I'm right. I'm going. I'm, I'm, I'm skipping it all. We're going back to one. We've done it before, but obviously we've done this one before. So Pete may know this one, but um, it's Star Trek.
1: Okay.
0: Um, um, so it's Star Trek uh, sixty seconds
1: go is it the next generation
0: uh, he is in the next generation okay. he is, isn't he? okay
1: are they um, federation
0: I just given that part away I shouldn't have done that <laughs> um, yes he is federation is uh,
2: it, are they male
1: it, sorry said again are, are they male? male yes are they a bridge character no are they are they O'Brien they are not O'Brien
0: are they yellow shirt? Uh, oh God! Shirt? Sure. Yes. Okay.
1: Um, <laughs> are they engineering? Yes. Is it Geordie LaForge? It is not Geordi. Scotty? It is not Scotty. It's next generation. Um. Oh. Are they a? Are they a guest character? Um
0: they they are they're not a regular but they're they're are they recurring they character. They have been a recurring character.
2: Is it Reginald Barkley?
0: Yes it is. Ah, <laughs> good one. After the one minute time after the one minute though, yeah. Well <laughs> but yeah okay right well that's been a very interesting chat um um i feel like i could have a, a a few more hours talking about larp and rpgs and stuff like that i feel like we need to have you back on just to talk about that on its own
1: can of worms mate
0: yeah big time. <laughs> um so uh the book is out your book's out currently at this moment in
1: time yeah it came out in september Tells from Loop. they grow up they grow up so fast
0: yep there you go um available from free league
1: and from modifius uh i believe it's from yes modifius as well uh and also from your local gaming store, your your local local
2: store. Yeah, support the independence please
1: okay um well it's been an absolute pleasure
0: um hopefully get you back on soon if you've got anything else here you've got on the on the books or you just Want to have another nerdy chat about LARP and stuff? You're more than welcome. I, to come. I, I
1: will more happily talk about Star Trek for fifty thousand hours. Um... <laughs> yeah, hey, man. No, yeah,
0: fine, fine. Why not? Uh, we're always looking for guests. Um, but it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for this. Um, good luck uh, in Thank the future you. with everything. Hopefully, speak to you soon uh, for tonight. Yeah, absolutely been, wonderful. I've been Matt Geary. With me tonight has been Peter Ray Allison. Good night, everyone. And our guest, Osmonds. Oh.